who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Hey, it's Mae Whitman, and I play Frankie in the new Realm podcast, The Sisters. The Sisters is about a museum curator of medical oddities who investigates the origins of a mutated skeleton with two layers of bones. Soon, she uncovers an extraordinary mystery that connects her present with one family's tragic past in hauntingly dangerous ways. Listen to The Sisters wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Mother May I Sleep a Podcast. If you listen to Quarantinis, our regular show on the Patreon that I do with Nicole Matthew, I've been talking about this guest for a while. I'm so excited that she's here. She goes by Queen Board on TikTok. Her name is Leah, and she does a lot of different stories. Honestly, I think her wheelhouse is Bravo, but she's just one of the most relatable creators that makes this kind of content. And I'm so happy to have her here for a Christmas reunion starring Denise Richards. Hey, girl. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so happy to have you here. You picked this movie, I I think, obviously, because of the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills connection. Do you have yeah. like any history with Denise Richards as an actress before this? You know, I will say wild things. That was my first introduction to her as an actress. I think that's everyone's like peak memory of her. Well, you know, they filmed it at like a rival private high school of mine when I was in high school because I'm that old, but yes. Were you like so jealous? I mean, I'm sure the boys are jealous at my school that it wasn't being filmed there, but um, you know, I love her. I think she's just, I mean, she's Denise Richards. She is. So I didn't see this season of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Truthfully, I've been out of the Bravo game for a minute now, and I'm looking to get sucked back in. I was hoping mm-hmm. Utah would do it for me, the Salt yeah. Lake Galleys, but it's just honestly, I th- feel like they should have called it like Snow Bunnies or something mm-hmm. and just not made it a Real Housewives franchise. Thoughts? I am I am the type of person that if they came out with like a real housewives of Anchorage, Alaska, I would watch it. 
So I, you know, but I will say Utah is, is a tough one. I was surprised that that was the newest franchise. It is not for everyone. I, frankly, I was surprised they were able to find those gals out there. I thought it was going to be like straight up uh, sister wives. Well, I thought really, I mean, and this is just showing my ignorance on, um, you know, Salt Lake City culture. I really thought it was going to be like those huge Instagram, Mormon Instagram celebrities, you know, that the, the Rachel Parcells and her beautiful sisters and like, you know, there's just so many big bloggers in Salt Lake City. So yes. I thought the cast was going to be. So I was surprised. I was. I mean, when you think about most of those girls, they would never have been able to swim on a show like this. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no. And it was, you know, what I will say that I think is very interesting is how each city that Bravo introduces us to, I mean, they really are uniquely their own kind of culture. Yeah, for sure. And it's well, different. Denise Richards makes sense on Beverly Hills because Beverly Hills mm-hmm. is all about the Lux, the famous. I definitely liked it before it went full blown. Like we're having actresses on this show. I, criminals. I, I and criminals. I loved yeah. Camille Grammer. Me too. I, I thought she was great. Oh, you know what? Give me like season one through three of Beverly Hills Housewives all day, every day. I rewatched it over quarantine. I mean, I there there were heydays for each franchise. I was so into Bravo at one point that. So I went on a trip to like London and Amsterdam by myself. I love to travel by myself. It's I'm an only child and I know I will never ruin a vacation on my own. So I love to go wherever I can. When I'm telling you that I was so into Real Housewives that I'd gotten to the point where I had downloaded every season of Medium and I was just blowing through Medium. That show was like my show for that trip. I associate Mm -hmm. London with me watching Medium in my hotel room, but all I know about this season, Denise, was that she that she and Brandy hooked up. Well, that was her final season. So she was only on for two seasons. And I can't remember that her very first season on the show, she was filming the movie that we're going to be talking about. Okay. Filming the movie, her first season on Beverly Hills, which is why when you see me, I'm like, okay, we fully have to do this one because it actually did make a little crossover onto the show. Maybe you'll be able to see like days when she was experiencing more tension or something. Yeah. Well, you know, I think, I think we've all come to realize that even if you don't watch Beverly Hills Housewives, Lisa Rinna is very good at stirring the pot and she's very good at like her loyalty is to staying on for the next season. Yeah. He's got to do. And I'm, I'm shocked that like, I didn't know that that would be her career path. No, No. I I really didn't. And it makes total sense now because the whole bit about her was always like, oh, she'll, you know, show up to the opening of an envelope type thing. She never says no. Yeah. So Denise and her had a very long friendship. And I think that that was, the thing that was so surprising was how quickly Rinna sort of, you know, 
read the tea leaves and dumped Denise, like threw her under the bus with that Brandy storyline. There are some people in Hollywood that I feel like are should be protected. Mm-hmm. My like queen example of this is like Jennifer Garner, like protect her at all costs, like the best mom of all time. Like the only one who's walking around Hollywood with kids that look like kids, you know, and mm-hmm. then Denise Richards, everything that she went through, she had a show. What was it called? It wasn't called perfectly Denise, but it was called something like that. And it was yes. about her life after she divorced Charlie, mm-hmm. it was like her, her dad, the twin. Yeah. Yeah, her dad was so sweet, right? I hope he's still yeah. with us. I don't want to know. He is. Okay, good. Yes, I know. I, I I think he is. I mean, I you know, I, I here was my issue, and I think Denise fell into this little bit of a rabbit hole. She was married to Charlie Sheen, so you can't play like crude and you know afraid of talking about the S word and stuff like that. Like you were married to Charlie Sheen. She's seen some shit. She's seen some shit. Like she's done some shit. And her first season on the show, I mean, she came out and she was being very free and flowing with, you know, different things she was comfortable with. And I think it endeared a lot of the audience to her. And then I think when she came back the second season, she kind of wanted to reel that in. Mm-hmm. Comfortable that maybe she let as much out into the universe as she did. And I get it. You can't produce production. No, they're going to catch you in your lies. They're going to, you know, and and I think that was her downfall. Yeah. It's like angering your captors, right? Like Uh you are in that, you know, let's draw a comparison to like, you're in one of those Utah schools for bad girls where they send you away, right? You're just trying to do your time and get in and out and not cause a scene. And, and anytime someone tries to evade production in any way, it ends with yeah, they catch you. as classic as, do you remember David on real world, Seattle falling in yes. love with Kira? Like they, no one thought that the fourth wall would ever be broken like that. And including, I think David and Kira, mm-hmm. but, but it happens and it's happening a lot more. I think in recent years with reality TV than it used to. And yeah, I don't know how I feel about it. Well, it's so much more transactional now mm-hmm. with reality TV. Like everyone knows it used to, you know, the bit used to be that, oh, you know, they don't make much money. Like this was, you know, the people in the real world don't get paid. Like that was the yeah. first sort of like public shock. Right. And then it was like, well, they don't make much money, but they go on this show anyway. So they must be crazy. And then but they monetized it in different ways because I mean, when I, at least I remember when I was in college, they would go on like college tours, right? Like your real world and road rules, cast members at like bars and clubs and stuff like that. And, you know, I know they have those challenge shows now. I mean, they've made careers out of those. And they would still like figure out though, like how to control them within that system. Right. So they're Mm -hmm. like, we're not going to pay you to ever, like, you're not going to come on the network ever again, knowing that we don't pay you and how much we rerun your shows. So this time we're going to give you a chance to win a hundred thousand dollars. hundred percent. Yes. And now I think, well, it it is Bethany did change everything because they call it the Bethany clause, but like, Uh if you even 
start a business on the show, the network automatically owns or the production company, I'm not sure which one owns a percentage of it, which is Uh uh, massive. And Bethany really was the first person I think to start. I'm definitely one of that level of success on a reality TV show in front of us. So things have, have definitely changed a lot. I wonder what Denise's long goal was with getting with getting involved with this because I can see why Rinna would land there but Denise doesn't make as much sense to me does she have like a product she's pushing or anything I think Denise was I I mean I think if I can like remember back you know Charlie Sheen had come off of I want to say like that solid two-year period with the craziness tiger blood tiger blood and you know, came out and told the world that he was HIV positive. You know, there was a lot that had been going on with him. And I think for whatever reason that it was maybe her attempt to kind of distance herself from being known as Charlie Sheen's ex-wife. You know, if she got on a show like Beverly Hills, it kind of just like put the attention back on her and what her normal family life looked like. Yeah, she needed some skin in the game again. Right. I I think she was trying to take away the crazy a little bit, like the craziness of the drama with Charlie. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, so let's like get into the movie and I'm sure we'll pit stop all along the way because this movie is very thin. There's not a lot here, which is why- Amazing cookies. Exactly. This is a, a total cookie time. By the way, can I say happy belated Hanukkah? Thank you for wanting to do a Christmas movie. Are you a Jew who loves Christmas? I'm a Jew who loves Christmas and Christmas movies. I love that. Okay. Love wow. It. Perfect. So we open up on all these shots of cookies. We see two young kids. I hate this. I hate when they bring kids into this. Cause it's just, you don't mm-hmm. want to criticize the kids. And, and frankly, like they don't have any they don't have any business in this business, but they're like, it's a little girl and a little boy working in the kitchen and Mm -hmm. Catherine Hicks from seventh heaven comes into the kitchen. She's aunt Linda. Did you watch seventh heaven? Of course. All good girls did. I, that's what I came every day after school. I'd go home, especially, I think it was Monday nights. My friend and I would go to the library. Yeah. WB was where it was at. They served. So she's like, you know, oh, hey, kids, whatever. Pack up some uh, Santa Sparks for me. I'm running low. Then we go to (laughs) O'Brien's Diner and it's a cookie contest. And Mm -hmm. Amy and Jack are working in the kitchen together. I'm going to play this scene where their bully comes in. We're going to establish the enemy early on. Mm -hmm. 257 to 344. You know, if I pulled the fire alarm, we could have all these cookies to ourselves. I'd settle for some of my aunt's Santa Sparks. I think he dropped something. What are you doing? What am I doing? I'm not the clutch that dropped all the cookies. Knock it off, Dylan. That's awesome. Jack Evans is a girl to protect him. Come on, Amy. Protect him. Leave her out of this. Say what you want to say, Evans, but everyone knows what you really are. Ah, coward. Hey, knock it off. Jack, you okay? I'm fine. Yeah, don't let that bully bother you. I said I'm fine. All right, come on, give me a hand. I'll help you. Who wants a cookie? All right, so Dylan. Dylan. 
villain. The writing in this movie is so uncomfortable. Well, I almost think, and call me crazy, but Dylan, the actor who played Dylan should have been Jack when they were kids. And Jack should have been Dylan. And then, you know, I, I didn't understand why Jack was getting bullied. He was like taller than Dylan. He was cuter than Dylan. He was nicer than Dylan. Like why was Dylan bullying Jack? They need to establish, I felt, some sort of like financial inequity, right? Because like, it seems like Amy's essentially like an orphan and they never oh. talk about that. And Jack is maybe a downtrodden child as well. And so if it's coming from that, maybe I understand. But I mean, it seems like his motivation is just, you know, being a little dick. I don't know why yeah. they could explore that in this movie sometimes with lifetime i'm like you guys know you're not hallmark like you're allowed to go there and say you know mm -hmm. dylan's dylan's dad had sex with jack's mom in high school and the whole thing you know what i mean oh, you know we did find out in the movie though that amy was with aunt linda because both of her parents died they did say that but like for a hot second when you know i mean if we didn't know why or when or why was Jack always hanging around at, you know, Aunt Linda's bakery? I mean, you're right. They kind of threw us right in. Like, what's going on here? Which makes it even more demented that Linda yes. goes on to leave this bakery to both of them. Because it's kind of like, pick a cause. Like, is it this orphaned girl? Or is it this random boy in town who I guess will grow up to be handsome? Maybe that's his big payoff. Right. But the cookie contest begins. It's, I guess, quote unquote, important that we play this because you guys need to hear the original generation, Earl Sr., the way the cookie contest has been run, just so you know how important it is later on when we hopefully save this cookie contest. 3.57 to six minutes. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention, please. For all you latecomers out there, and you know who you are, my name is Earl Pratt, voice of Chestnut Radio, and the host and the judge of the 20th annual Christmas Cookie Contest! Thank you very much. Now, before we can find out this year's top cookie, I'd like to mention a few of the wonderful people who have made this all possible. First and foremost, a special thank you to Mr. Frank O'Brien, who lends us his diner every year to accommodate all of you lovely people. Frank, take a bow. Yay! My pleasure. My pleasure. Every year, Frank whips up a batch of his melted snowmen. Now, how many times have you won, Frank? Never. And yet... Every year, you keep coming back. Of course, this could be the year. This is it. Now, see, folks, that is the spirit. Let's hear it. Thank you, Frank. Now, I would like to acknowledge the woman who, for the past 20 years, has made this an annual event not to be missed. I want you to put your hands together and give it up for the sweetest woman you'll ever meet, pun intended, Linda Sullivan. <laughs> Come on up, Linda. Come on up. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for coming tonight. Remember, the winner of tonight's contest receives a featured spot on my bakery's menu for a full year. 
with the sales proceeds benefiting Chestnut's elementary after school programs. Ooh, yeah. Yes. Also, a special spot alongside previous champions in my famous recipe tin. Pretty big deal, right? And last but not least, a year full of bragging rights. All right, this sounds so weird. Like, <laughs> there's not a lot going on there. I mean, there, there's not a lot going on there. No, and in fact, like, well, let's talk about the aging because we come up with like, Catherine Hicks is the age she is now. And then we have Frank O'Brien, who they did, I guess, age down a little bit for this scene by having his hair like brown on the sides. But he's wearing one of those hats that like only old Irish men and bald people wear. And then we have the kids who, I mean, they couldn't be older than like seven, right? Like trying to do a timeline in my head the entire time I was watching this movie. I was like, how old are these people specifically? Like when we know the cookie contest was 20 years in at that point. Uh-huh. That was it was the 20th year, right? Yeah. And yeah. An elementary school age. I mean, that would be my guess. That's how old they look to me. But then we know they graduated high school in 1991. And then we're, we're, when we meet them again, it's on, you know, the, the 50th is coming up, which I do appreciate. I noticed this, this is my big thing. I've noticed this year. Mm -hmm. They really target these movies. And I feel like as someone in this demo who Mm -hmm. loves my life, I feel like Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know what? This is like sad that they're doing this to us. This is for single women who are like, in their late thirties, the way I am, who are like, has my time passed me? Like, am I never going to meet anyone? Because it's always someone who's like easily nearly 40 in these movies. We know like she was well over 40 when this was being filmed. And so it was, you know, Mr. Patrick. I mean, they were in their mid forties at that point. I mean, they definitely were playing younger than what they actually were. Right. But I kind of agree with you. I mean, I, I I definitely agree with you. There's two types of women in these Lifetime movies. It's what we just were talking about, or it's like the, the weather-beaten suburban mom who's like life is falling apart because she's married to a psychopath. Like those are the only two options. You're either a single career woman or you're like married to... A serial killer. I don't know. <laughs> Those are the only two lanes I feel like. Uh, yeah. And I don't understand why, because it's not like Christmas isn't marketed towards literally every breathing mm-hmm. human. And I feel like a lot of like college girls really love these movies. That's mm-hmm. something I see a lot of feedback and on. And, and a lot of the people who ask me to do these movies are a little bit younger than I am. And Mm -hmm. I just, I feel like they're not being like serviced at all because why can't there just be like a 25 year old girl who like does some sort of heroic act. It's always some woman (laughs) who's like a man to come in and like fill the void in her life. I guess. Yeah. It's very, uh, very bummerish to me because Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know. I literally could not regret less that I'm single and don't have kids. I love my life. Well, my, my sister is the same exact way. She's turning 39 in January and she is not attached and no children. She's an amazing aunt, but she's got a great life in New York City and she's happy as can be. So right. you got to do what makes you happy. 
She's not headed back to Chestnut, but wait she's a minute. She's, she comes back to Florida to visit us and that's about it. When's her birthday? January 24th. Okay. I'm January 10th. And I didn't know if I had a fellow Capricorn. Sister. Well, my oldest is a Capricorn. Really? Son is a Capricorn and I love every minute of it. I, he's got the best sense of humor. I feel like I'm joking around with a an adult. Like he just has such a dry, sarcastic sense of humor. I love my Capricorn. Oh, well, I'm, I was the same as a kid and it's nice to hear that it's not just yeah. my disease. Like, honestly, I'm like, oh, it's great. I remember, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, gem, my son signs a Gemini, but I remember him like, oh my gosh, I don't know any Capricorns. I have no Capricorns in my life. What's this going to be like? And it said they're born old. Yes. Like born old and they get more youthful as they get older. Mm-hmm. It could not, I mean, it could not be more true. I never understood why I was supposed to go outside with the kids. Like when the adults would be talking, I'd be like, excuse me, I belong at this table. Yeah, that's how he is too. And yeah, and his sense of humor, like his teachers love him. I think some of it goes over his classmates' heads. Like they're not at his level yet. Well, back to the diner. I feel your vibe. Thank you, girl. And I'm a Gemini. I'm a Gemini rising. So so there you go. All the Astros are melting. So Frank's melted snowman never win. I know. And he was so like sullen, you know, he's like, maybe next year, guys. Like, it could be my chance next year. He's the kind of like downtrodden man that makes me give like all men too much credit. Cause I'm like, mm-hmm. if one man feels like Frank, I, <laughs> I and why didn't that Linda and Frank get together? I Maybe know. They've been like a real gem of a couple. I think that secretly they, they may have had a physical relationship. I think so too. I think, <laughs> I think it's entirely possible. We saw the way they sat together at that diner yeah. counter. Yeah, but his face, like when he was like, oh gosh, again, next year will be my turn. Like, and you kind of want Frank to win. Like I kind of wanted him to win. I know. I host a, um, I host a podcast. It's like an entertainment news podcast with my friend Tiffany. And we mm-hmm. have like a longstanding joke that like dads on TikTok have like, they're just our weakness because neither of us were raised like with a dad. So we just like, you know, da- dads to me are inherently creepy. And I'm sorry. I know there's a lot of great dads out there, but I'm, I've always been like, yeah. what are you what are you doing here? What's your ulterior motive? And when I see some of these dads on TikTok, it's just like it hits something so deep inside of me. I'm like, see, that's a good man. That's a good guy. You know, I get these like cringy feelings, though. I there was. There's two, I think people put their kids on TikTok and, you know, you've got all these like people that have really like monetized their children on like YouTube and TikTok and Instagram and Facebook. And that's a big thing for me. Wild to me. And as soon as I see someone on my FYP that like that's, that's their shtick, I'm like block, not interested. It like creeps me out. I love to talk about my children, but like, you will not see me creating content yeah, around them because it's, it's just, there's something so skeevy about it to me. I agree. I agree. There's a couple I have in mind. I'm not going to name any because no, no it's not their fault. The one guy I will talk about is, do you know, Billy Visco, the guy that's like, parents do better. 
And if, <laughs> yeah, but he's not like, but he's not really like featuring his children. It's like the ones that are like showing the kids all the time. It, I know. I know. I don't want to watch that. I know. I became very, very aware that I was not one of those people that was like obsessed with babies or other people's kids. Mm-hmm. Once I had my own, like I was obsessed with them because I was not that way about other people's children. Like, I, I, I don't know like how you're supposed to respond. Just be like, oh my gosh, they're so cute. Oh my goodness, they're so funny. It's like, no, I just think it's like cringy. I don't know how to explain it. It's like when they show too much of it on reality TV too. Well, it's it sucks because like at a certain point you turn a corner and you're like, well, if this child has a fandom, let's mm-hmm. think about it realistically. Like right. there's definitely perverts in the mix. Perverts. And yeah. they like you can play naive all day long. And it's the thing that drives me nuts is is when people are like, stop sexualizing my kid just because, you know, there should be nothing wrong with that. Like my kid's just in a bathing suit. There's nothing wrong with that. And it's like, maybe you should think about the fact that like, you are very lucky to not know what can be wrong with that. But there's people that are looking at that and they're like, the, the fact that you can't understand what other people are doing with that in their mind is the problem. Like, well, and I think it's funny how it circled back to when we were, when we were doing the very first clip about how like the kids are in like opening up this movie and it's just, there's something that doesn't feel right about it. I think that I personally think social media is so dangerous for kids to view, to participate in the whole nine yards. Yeah really strongly about that but you know you're right that you're blessed if you don't think that there's something wrong with kids in bathing suits yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. so yeah we find out that amy she makes the prize ribbon that's her big thing she's a beautiful ribbon i mean they were spectacular they were really good the winner is mary mansley and her holly jollies Mm-hmm. you know frank is so sad so jack tells amy as a present for her and he pulls her into the kitchen he's tucked a few cookies away for them to enjoy by themselves and aunt linda catches the tail end of this and she's like i'm gonna let him have it it's cute so 30 years later we're in new york city baby where all leads of christmas movies go to get corrupted i guess mm-hmm. yeah Amy has a big shot marketing job and she has this heel of a coworker named Bradley. He, I guess he's an assistant and her boss, Don calls her in and wants to see her. So really quick before she goes in, she gets a call from Jeanette who has a very thick accent. And I only point that out to say that later on, you're going to scratch your head about it a little bit. Right. So she's got to take this call. It's about her aunt. And then we cut to a tropical location and this is where we're going to meet grown-up Jack. This actor is so weird. Girl, like his voice, Patrick Muldoon, his voice is so strange. The way that he chooses to play this character is so strange. It's actually like unnerving because he's playing it sort of like, I don't know, like a bad Uncle Jesse impression or something where he's like kind of like rock and roll and cool. But his backstory is that he was in the military we're gonna we're gonna just play it but the way that he the way his accent is working in this scene is kind of nuts 9 28 to 10 38 for caffeine break excellent 
things, Pop. You know, I'm retired from the military now, so you might want to think about retiring that old coffee mug. Oh, never. Oh. The thing looks like it's had a few tours of its own. Your service to our country is my proudest thing in life. Uh, thanks, Pop. And that being said, I can't wait to see what you've got planned for a second act. Pop, don't start. We're not trying to push you, son. Really? It's just that everybody in her book club, they all have grandkids. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you seriously trying to guilt me with Mom's book club right now? Dad, I just retired two months ago. I'm going to figure it out. And then? Well, I know what's happening here. Mom sent you out here armed with caffeine to do a little reconnaissance work on my love life. Am I right? You're not going to send me back in there empty-handed, are you? I don't know. Kind of sounds like a personal problem to me, Pop. All right, Jack. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you're enjoying this. Yeah, it ain't to be you. Get back to work, pal. Good luck. Of course, we respect all of our service members, past and present. It's just, this is no excuse. Being Having done three tours in Afghanistan is no excuse to act like this. No. It's a little strange. The whole interaction with the dad, I mean, they were like, what dad comes out with coffee doesn't get the answer he wants to hear. His wife sends him out there to find out when he's having children. And then, oh, I'm going to walk back inside the house because you didn't, you're not going to have kids. Like, I'm confused. It was very awkward. It was a strange conversation. Was he putting together a tiki hut? Like, I didn't know what was what was going on out there. It did appear that he was building some sort of like outhouse type structure yes. for sure. Yes. He, the line, I retired from the military. Maybe you should retire that coffee mug is just such a absurd use of like pipe as we call it, just like exposition, just mm-hmm. trying to get in details. And it, it drives me nuts with these movies. Cause like there's this actor clearly wants to portray a vibe. But mm-hmm. that line just so doesn't fit with the vibe at all. And it, and right. and I can I can imagine the writers only saw this saw the scene playing out differently. And it's the line funny. wasn't delivered right, is what you're saying. The but. line wasn't de- delivered correctly, or or did nor did it match like the tone of when like cameras are up and like this is the shot or whatever. The line doesn't play as charming; it plays as uncomfortable. Yeah, and and also I I think the father, it was just a very weird scene. And again, it's is his heart cold and hardened? Is that what we were trying to like? He's no longer that soft, sweet Jack that we knew eating like the Santa Snap sugar <laughs> sugar spark Santa spark uh, cookie. He's he's hardened, you know. He's He's a tough guy. He's got, he has no feelings now. Is that what we were trying to see there? I mean, listen, it's, it's so off brand because I feel like if anything, military men love to get married and Mm -hmm. the sooner, the better even, but it's, it's interesting that like three tours in Afghanistan somehow made this guy like a cool cat because I feel like, like, like exactly. He went from being this sweet little kid who worked in a bakery with his friend, Amy, to, there was just no, like, it was very disjointed how we ended up there. Unclear. Yeah, Jack's phone 
rings according to the captions but it didn't ring and he picks it up it's his friend luke and he has some bad news so do you watch with closed captions i do i'm actually i have i have hearing loss i didn't want to like okay that's like not why i asked you that but i am interested in in knowing about this because i remember you someone said some shitty comment to you like can you talk faster or something right Mm -hmm. you had mentioned like actually i i have a hearing loss or something and how did that happen i had a lot of ear infections when i was a baby got it and my mom probably should have had tubes put in i don't know i mean it could have probably been avoided but i i have 40 percent hearing loss in my right ear so I tend to speak very slowly because I it's like an audit it's an auditory processing. So it's like my one sticking point. And I hate that's like the one thing I always need to bring attention to, especially with social media. You don't know what somebody could be dealing with or what they could be going through. And I think certain things should always be off limits. Yeah. Don't make fun of how people talk, how they look. You know, you can make fun of their content, but not their delivery or their appearance. I also think you speak at an incredibly reasonable pace. Um, people are just well, not used to that on TikTok. I guess, I guess so. I mean, who knows? It, but I, but I'll, I'll bring it up from, you know, I address it from time to time because I think people need to know I have thick skin. I'm a tough girl, but there's a lot of people like me in a similar situation. And it takes you a long time to have the confidence to speak in front of people. Yeah. I have a lazy eye and Mm -hmm. I was born with strabismus. And so I had to have two operations on it when I was a child, but like, it's never going to be 100% correct. Mm -hmm. And it makes me so self-conscious to go on camera, especially like in that format, because I know that that's something that everyone will pick up on. And I've been on camera for many years. Like there mm-hmm. was, you know, I've been on TV, I've done all right. that, but it's like, there's something about it where it's so vulnerable to me. And it's literally something that I choose to like ignore about myself. But mm-hmm. sometimes I'll see people like almost try to like catch my gaze. And I'm like, right. Oh, my eye must be like lazing out. And that's mm-hmm. the worst part about it is that I cannot see that it's happening. And so mm-hmm. I have no idea. It's only the only time I'm like aware it might be happening is when I'm tired, drunk, or sad. That's what my mom always said. She's like, I was like, when you're tired or drunk or sad, your eye will like wander. And I'm like, I, I yeah. Mm-hmm. See, I think there's so much power though, in people being able to know that there's they're not alone that none of us are perfect and that you know you you have to do stuff that makes you uncomfortable Mm -hmm. a to like put yourself out there and do stuff that makes you feel uncomfortable yeah and truthfully I mean we're stronger for it that's my feeling I can't change myself you can't change yourself So instead you celebrate it. And that's how I feel. I love that. You're the best. The best of humanity and the worst of humanity on TikTok. So I will say I am. I'm such a fan of you. I'm so grateful (laughs) for your presence on there. But yeah, so we see Amy, she goes into Dawn's office and she finds out that she is going to be getting a promotion. 
Logan Keller, the CEO of Keller Department Stores, is obsessed with the campaign. She was able to get this guy, Gordon Royce, who we never got any sort of insight on who he is. But I and I, I this is always a person I sort of go to as a default, but I'm guessing <laughs> he's supposed to be like a Mario Lopez. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually I kind of think maybe he's supposed to be like one of the people on Grey's Anatomy or something. Oh, like McDreamy. I know I've never yeah, seen like that. McDreamy or McSteamy. Like I kind of got that vibe. I would have loved a moment where, especially because we are in the day and age of cameo, I would have loved if they got this like Gordon Royce guy, whoever he is to like do a little thing promoting the cookie contest, because that would be total like natural organic marketing. Let's discuss the ad campaign though. Like, I mean, I don't have a degree in advertising, but I think I can come up with something you know, I mean, it, it didn't look like the most polished ad campaign that I've ever seen. And uh, maybe a better like analogy would be like a Vin Diesel or something. Cause he's kind of just has like, is he like flexing? Yeah. And it was like, a, it was a red ribbon font. And I, I, I guess I, I don't know. I, I didn't know what was so fabulous about it. I'm unclear on how it's like department store marketing too. Cause when I think of like the department store audience, I think of like Martha Stewart or right. the pioneer woman or someone who's just so palatable and has like a unique skill. I, and, and I guess maybe if you're advertising to a certain like type of woman in some cities, you might get women to go shop there because this like shirtless man it's apparently for the, it's for this it's for sure. people like me who are the sad suburban middle-aged housewives that's where the keller department stores are that bums me out dude um, shirtless men who, who look like gordon royce okay so like the magic mic of it all like that yes. kind of thing do do you or your peers actually like that no right i think so I, give me like a dad bod any day. I think if I pulled all of my friends, they would feel the same way. Yeah. That that type of body takes far too much work and time. And if you're putting that kind of commitment and time into your figure, you know, you're probably not putting in too much commitment and time into other things. No, it's truly the male gaze. Like it yeah. really, it really is. And I, yes, I like them, you know, fluffy and funny and friendly oh. and sweet is like the way to go always. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I want somebody who's like, I'm going to go run for 30 minutes. Not someone who's like, I'm going to go to the gym and lift for three hours and then drink like a protein cake. <laughs> like, no, no. Like, Go do some push-ups. Like, that's good. Yeah, a gentle power walk even. I'll yeah. take that. Speed walker. But yeah, so he's going to promote her to junior partner for this. She's going to get more money, a better office, an assistant. And he's like, aren't you excited about this? And she's like, I just found out my, my aunt passed away. And right. he's like, go back to Hazelnut, you know, wherever you're from. You can never remember right. her town. This is the whole thing with this boss is like, there's so much potential comedy happening here with like, you know, he was a famous 80s actor, too. Let me look him up. Let's see. He was. He was in a lot of stuff in, like, the 80s. Parker Stevenson. Okay, actually, you know what? There's some, there are at least 20 gay listeners who, like, want to put a cigarette out of my eye for not knowing this. Okay, 
So he's a five. I mean, he was, they, they, this was a very good cast. I mean, they had a good cast in this movie. He's from Melrose Place, which mm-hmm. that was like, that was just too, I was way too young to be watching 90210, but 90210 at least had teenagers. This was, yeah. Melrose Place was a little too old for me, but people do love him. Yeah, I mean, listen, they came so close to giving giving him like good comedy moments, but. And look at his head of hair. It looks exactly the same now as it did 40 years ago. He's killing it. Yeah, he is. He's doing really good. But did you know that Denise Richards and Patrick Muldoon dated in real life? I didn't know that. Lisa Rinna too. Does that come up on the show? It came up on the show, which is because Denise and Patrick rehearse lines together for this movie in preparation for going out to Connecticut to film it. Of the show, you have to watch her first season on the show and you'll crack up. Oh my God, maybe I'll insert a clip if I can find a clip. Then Connecticut in the winter. <laughs> Sweet babe. Sweet I've known Patrick Muldoon since I was 19 years old. We call each other Sweet Babe because we had nicknames on Starship Troopers for everyone. What do you think of our script? I like it. Yeah? It's cute. Patrick and I dated. We were on and off for quite a few years. I don't even think... I've read this version of the script. We're getting ready to do a Christmas movie together. Interior day, Valerie Nolan, 30s. It said 30s, I was like, I'll do it. Yeah, (laughs) how old am I? I don't even think of this as me working with my ex-boyfriend. I think of this as me working with one of my best friends. It's so nice out. Yeah, this is beautiful. It it doesn't get any better than this. Shubab, come more in the shade. You'll thank me later. Cool. <laughs> I'm leathery. I, get, I know. No, you're it not. smells years in the sun. My ex-husband's aged me terribly, I think. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. A teeny weeny bit. Charlie came over for Thanksgiving for dinner uh, a few years ago, and he had a hooker in the car in the driveway. And he's like, uh, you know, was afraid to tell me, well, she's in the driveway. Said, okay, she's in the driveway. I'm like, <sighs> I said, I'll set a f-ing plate. You have a thing for bad boys. Uh-uh. No, that's dumb. Even a hooker deserves to have Thanksgiving dinner. Are you considered a bad boy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the Denise's first season on Beverly Hills. He's in it. They're rehearsing lines. They talk about their friendship now. They talk about how they used to date. And that's why it was so awkward when I watched the movie because when they would finally kiss, you know, it was the most awkward kissing scenes I've ever watched in my life. And I've seen a lot of awkward kissing scenes, but their kiss together, that that kissing took the cake for me. I I think also it's like they have limitations on how pervy they can go because Lifetime definitely has like a handbook, but I think there's like a separate handbook for Christmas movies for sure. (laughs) And so the kisses have to appear a certain way but yeah when when he tells her you know family is the most important thing to you she goes Mm -hmm. you were married three times and he says exactly and I missed the joke I think the joke was like if family's so important how come you don't have any and he was like I got married three times because I love family 
yeah, I, 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 I think it's to make us as the viewers see that he's like very out of touch and in a lifetime movie way, a modern day Scrooge. Okay. Okay. Kind of getting like, we're supposed to kind of look at him as a modern day Scrooge. Okay. In his high rise, you know? Okay. I feel you. I feel you. Amy catches a cab. She's in a big hat. She flies back to Chestnut. Jeanette drives her home after the service. We totally skipped the funeral. And she's talking about how the whole town just like loved her aunt. The high school even had a moment of silence for her. Apparently she hid that she was sick. She, you know, maybe alluded to having some sort of illness, but didn't let people know she was going to die so quickly, which is like trendy. You know, I gotta be honest with you. I, I think that that's the way to do it. I agree. You know, that's, that's the way to do it. If, if, if you know, you're going to go, don't let, don't let people wallow in sorrow over it. I agree with you. It's maybe an unpopular opinion. Oh, Jesus. It's maybe an unpopular opinion, but I agree. I agree. I mean, listen, do I think she should have reached out to her, I guess, de facto child? Like, I mean, she, for all intents and purposes, was Amy's mom. That would be a hard pill for me to swallow, to not be like, um, do you think you could plan a trip out here and spend Thanksgiving with me? Or, you know, just like something to that effect. That was what was weird to me. Like, okay, you don't need to let her know that you're going to die. but. Don't you think she should have had the opportunity to hang out with you? I agree. Well, it's it's difficult, right? Because like sure. on one hand, if she says like, Amy, you need to come home because I really want to spend some time with you. And she says, no, she'll be living with that for the rest of her life because she didn't understand the subtext of that is like, this is going to be our last Thanksgiving. Yeah, but for whatever reason, I feel like Amy was a very underdeveloped character. Yes in terms of her like emotional bandwidth and maturity yeah she was not a very layered female character no that's a that's not just a Capricorn that's a Capricorn with emotional trauma (laughs) well listen I would also argue that it's it's very I think women in general are so much more multifaceted I mean you you I think we can wear so many more hats at one time than our male counterparts. And for whatever reason, she was just like completely unable to, she was very one dimensional. I'll throw a, a, throw a theory out. Okay. So she's an orphan, right? But she, she's an orphan, but like she didn't end up in foster care with some terrible person. She's making cookies with her aunt Linda. And Chestnut, you know, like she's, she's, she had a lot of love. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think more like we all learn like different. Okay. So one of just having like a single mom for me, mm-hmm. like whenever someone, even if I'm the most upset in the room and if someone else gets upset, I immediately go into like, okay, well, like I get very practical. I'm like, how do we fix this? Okay. Like, you know, we're going to address this, this, and this, and I will push my own upset to the side immediately to like fix the problem. And Mm -hmm. that's, that's my sort of like way of maneuvering about the world. Right. And maybe it's like, I don't know, self-preservation. Maybe it's just like, I I'm like, someone has to do it. 
I don't know what it is, but for me, my, like for the way I move about the world, like I cannot be upset if someone else is because I have to like fix that. So maybe like Amy is just in this place where she's kind of like emotionally numb. I mean, who knows what happened with her and Jack really? Yeah, they don't really go into too much detail, but I mean, I, I think, I, I just think that she was, she just wasn't, you never, I, I felt like we've watched her for almost two hours on the TV. <laughs> really get to know her, you know? No. I wouldn't want to be, I, I wouldn't want to be Amy's friend. And I certainly would not spend nine days before Christmas, you know, putting together a bakery and a cookie contest. She doesn't give you anything back. It's almost like she's a taker. You're you're right. You're right. Because like in lieu of writing her- She runs away all the time. She just runs away. Yes. They Okay. So I always say if they could like cut out like two minutes of montage and just like give this character some backstory, that would mean the world to me. They never do it. And I'm not exactly sure why. Maybe I think because they know they can like phone these in and they'll still get millions and millions of views. I mean, the amount of views, I know the average Lifetime movie is seen by 10 million people within the month that it premieres. And I can only imagine that the Christmas movies like dwarf that just because people who want that content are so hungry for it. And Mm -hmm. so- I wonder if it's not as important to them to set up maybe the complexities of who these characters could be. But it's just funny how you say, like, you know, you told that beautiful story about how you kind of, (laughs) that's your like coping mechanism to your own side and to help someone else. Amy is the polar opposite of that. It's Amy's problems and Amy's problems only. She doesn't really go out of her way to unselfishly help those around her. That makes any sense. No, I, 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 it is like, it's a problem with, it's definitely a writing problem. Like Mm -hmm. I would say like a big thing with movies that you never want to have happen is a character that everything sort of like happens to them, that they're not the Mm -hmm. driving force for any of their actions. And I feel like this is an example of that being applied Mm -hmm. very literally because she makes every action to the point where she's thoughtless. Yes. Yeah. You don't like Amy. It, it was hard to like Amy in the beginning of the movie. So Jeanette drops her off in town. And before Mm -hmm. she's going to go in to talk to Dylan, who I guess is like the town lawyer. Now he took over his dad, his pops retired. And that's this town, right? This is You just age out. And she runs into Earl who is, Earl Jr. He's the son of the guy that was doing the last Christmas cookie contest. He's the voice of Chestnut. He's like basically Mm -hmm. the Ryan Seacrest of this place. Yeah. You know, he says like this year would have been the 50th anniversary. What a shame. He, and he Mm -hmm. invites her to stop by the station if she wants to reminisce about old times on the air. Let's play this scene when she talks to Dylan. Dylan's been waiting for this one. 1736 to 2108. Hi. Can I help you? Yeah, I'm here to see you. Dylan. (laughs) I expected your father. Ah, yeah, Pop retired about a year ago. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Huh. No, thank you. Wow. 
Dylan Carruthers, the boy who stole my bike in fourth grade and shoved a kid in a locker in high school, is now a lawyer. A lot changed since you left. I bet. Yeah, I would have thought you'd be on the other side of the law. <laughs> no offense. <laughs> well, you're just in time. So since we're all here, why don't we go in and get started? We? Yeah. You remember Jack. Jack? Little Amy. Uh, what's he doing here? He wants to see you, too. Well, he's mentioned in the will. What? Loved your aunt just as much as you did. Okay, let's have a seat. Your aunt was very precise with her will. She was short and sweet. Basically, you two are equal partners. Equal? Partners? Yeah, to put it simply, she gave you both her entire estate. Her house, her car, savings account had about $4,000 in it. And of course, the bakery. The, the bakery? bakery? Like I said, short and sweet. I don't understand. What she really wants to know is why she has to share with me. Look, if this is what my aunt wanted, then fine. We'll sell everything, split the proceeds 50-50, and go about our lives. Happy? It's all yours. Dylan, are there uh, documents or something that we need to sign for this? Well, I, uh... In a rush? Actually... Heaven forbid you actually have to spend time in your hometown. You know, with us lowly people. <laughs> Actually, I have a life in New York with a job and a promotion to junior partner. Ooh, junior partner. Yeah, I have to be back for a meeting on the 24th. Christmas Eve, what do you work for, Ebenezer Scrooge? <laughs> well, if you must know, I happen to work for the biggest agency in New York City. I know, I saw the Keller Department Store campaign. Very impressive. Oh, really, like you would see that. Question for you, are those Gordon Royce's real teeth? I mean, just break it down to me because no human really has teeth that look like that. <laughs> you cyber-stalked me. I didn't cyber anything. Yeah, you did. I mean, is that even really a word? Oh, sorry, what would you call it then? Curiosity. Whatever, he stalked me. Anyway. If God didn't want people to know about each other, he wouldn't have invented Google. Okay, are you two quite finished? Sorry. Okay, it's just one more thing. Mm-hmm. Linda has a letter for you. Dear Amy and Jack. I hope you know how proud I am of the adults the two of you have become. I don't want my passing to be a sad occasion. That's why I'm asking the two of you to reopen the bakery for the holidays and to present the 50th annual Christmas cookie contest. After that, you and Jack are free to do whatever you want with the bakery and my house. I just want one last hurrah before the bakery closes for good. Will you please do that for me? Oh, my love, Linda. This episode is sponsored by Factor. Okay, here's what I love about Factor meals. They make eating better easy. They're fresh, never frozen. They take two minutes in the microwave. You get to pick what meals you're going to eat. Over 35 different recipes are available to you to choose from. Their delicious recipes are chef-crafted and nutritionist-approved. They are very filling. Like, not too much, but they're perfectly filling. I had the keto meal last week. I've been doing the keto meals, basically. And there was one day in particular that I just remember going to bed and being like, I'm actually full. Like, I ate hours ago, and I'm actually full. Normally, I need a little snack snack. 
You know, I get up to the chocolate after dark, but I was totally full, completely satisfied, and my meal was delicious. You can also do calorie smart meals, vegan or veggie, and protein plus. There's also other stuff you can try as well. You can get as much or as little as you want and reschedule or pause at any time. Personally, I get six meals. You can go up to 18. That's what my boyfriend does. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash mothermayi50 and use code mothermayi50 to get 50% off. That's code mothermayi5050 at factormeals.com slash mothermayi50 to get 50% off. Do you know how much you have in common with some of your favorite celebrities, leaders, newsmakers? I'm Evelyn, the host of Reppin, where you'll meet notable people you think you know. You'll find out who they really are and what they represent. Listen to Reppin wherever you get your podcasts. What kind of mentally sick individual doesn't tell anyone she's dying, then is like, here, have $200,000 from the sale of my home. And also please like leave your jobs, figure this out. I mean, he like, how did she even know he would be out of the military by then? You know, I, I think that the personality tree, the apple and the tree, they don't fall from each other with Aunt Linda and Amy. Right. Very egocentric, the two of them. So much so that Aunt Linda, like, literally never wrote down any of her recipes and sent them to her niece, Amy, in New York. I mean, it's this mad dash for the recipes later on, but... And can we talk about that, like, Jeanette is her right-hand gal, and Jeanette, I, I don't, I'm not sure I saw her bake once. No, no. The, it was very odd. Everyone in this town is so not to hate because I know this works great for so many people, but everyone in this town is so complacent and just mediocrity. I hate yeah, to say you, it. You, you know that Dylan, grown up Dylan, is uh, that Busey. And I, that uh, Gary Busey's son. Is he really? I thought those yeah. were fake teeth. I thought the mention. So that's what cracks me up in the scene when she, when, when he goes, are those Gordon Royce's real teeth? I've never seen teeth like that. And, you know, he like covered his mouth a little, Dylan. Yeah. That's what they're known for. You know, like Gary Busey, like it's like that big. Well, I mean, you couldn't miss it. I was like, I, I thought that was just a joke about how he's got. No, that's like, what, that's a near. Yeah. That's a shtick. Like, you know, he's Gary Busey's son. I mean, he's also been in a lot of things. Well, yeah, I mean, listen, he played the perfect asshole in this movie for yeah, sure. No, a thousand percent. But yeah, I mean, listen, this is just an interesting proposition. This is a lot to hand off to two people. It's also like it's meddling on 10. Like Aunt Linda from beyond the grave is trying to <laughs> to make fetch happen, so to speak. And but this is what was so weird to me, though. This is the same person who didn't want anyone to know how sick she was. Right. Like, I, like, the, like the energy is very off because this is someone who would have come off as very domineering in some respects, th this type of request. 
that's why I think like, no, that's like what I was saying. Like what a sick bitch because <laughs> she was, I mean, when you think about it, really, she really, really was. And Amy had, has like no one. Right. And then like all of a sudden she's put upon with this like thing. Right. And I guess, you know, Jack, for some reason, I still want to know what was going on with Jack. That was so bad that he got 50% of this place. Well, I think this all goes back to the Santa Sparks in the kitchen when Aunt Amy or Aunt Linda caught Amy and Jack eating the, the, the cookie on the first. The contraband. Yeah. Contraband cookies. Um, you know, she peered in and she was just like, oh, those two. She kind of gave like one of those faces like these these two are special. And so I think we're supposed to, as viewers, just kind of take that little bit of a glance and say something must have gone on between Amy and Jack. And Aunt Linda was always pulling for the two of them. And she's going to get them together from the grave. I mean, by all accounts, Jack is actually affluent. Like where his parents live. I mean, it looks like a beautiful property they were on. And so it's just, you know, I appreciate this sort of level of like petty and high key manipulation, but only from a villain. Right. It's, it's hard to, it's very hard to reconcile mentally. Like, yeah. What is Aunt Linda's personality really? That's the that's the prequel we need, Catherine Hicks. And is she the town yenta? Is she the town yenta with her cookie bakery? You know, just she keeps that town together. She's like the glue. So Amy, like, once she realizes she's being guilted into this, she just like walks out of there and Jack chases her down on the street. And he is like, you know, we need to give your aunt the respect she deserves and try hosting this contest. You know. It's just, she's being painted as, I will say, like, they're all downplaying her accomplishments in there. He's like, oh, yeah, your partner. And I'm like, listen, do you want, do you understand that the senior partner is a guy named Don who's like 75 and seems to sleep at the office? Like, he has worked <laughs> very, very hard for this yeah. motion, even though the word junior is in it, which by the way, like, I feel like in the military, there's plenty of like, I mean, it's all about ranking, right? And like, it's just this sort of dismissal of her of her ranking. I'm, I'm feeling like it. I don't know. This guy's giving me major stolen valor. And I, I realized that he wasn't, I, I'm not accusing the character of this, but I'm just saying something about this guy's vibe. I would not be surprised if he was just like chilling in Hawaii all these years and like came back and has this stolen valor story. Well, listen, I also think it, it plays into the stereotype of small town America, so to speak, where, you know, it's a bad thing for a woman to go off and have a high powered career in a big city, that that's not the values of small town America. Yeah. Stereotypical values. And so I think that's why we see Jack making those little digs and even like Jeanette and Luke, you know, in relation to Amy's career. Right. It's like the the small town values versus the girl that got out of the small town. I'm actually realizing, like, as we're explaining this, truly, 
I think that these movies are propaganda to get ambitious women to like reconsider and to be mm-hmm. like, hey, listen, there's a reason why you're sitting at home watching all these movies, getting so much hope from them. It's because you are not a trad wife. You gave up like the opportunity mm-hmm. to be a young mom and a wife, which would have been probably much more successful for you on the inside lady because now you're gonna leave your big fancy job that you worked so hard for and come back and take a major demotion I mean the last one the last two movies we did involved people just like demoting themselves significantly in order to fit into a small town life and there's nothing wrong with scaling back But I do think that they have like rewarded, they reward mediocrity or like taking away someone's accomplishments, not mediocrity, but just like complacency. They're rewarding that. And they're like, you should have come to this conclusion earlier. Well, but here's the other thing. I I think uh, to counter your point that you're making, they're making these movies to kind of make women who haven't made those choices feel badly about their choices. If I were to have this conversation with my sister, who's a very successful career woman, single, whatever, she would say, honestly, I watch those movies and it consistently reminds me like how much I love my life. Oh yeah, no, truthfully, no. It's like, it's kind of like, do we watch them to make ourselves feel badly that that's not our life? Or do we watch them to validate like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that's not my life. I well, I think it might be both. And I think it also serves as like propaganda against the successful woman. And whether you are receiving that information about yourself or validating an opinion about some busy career woman that you know, I think these I I never see these movies end with, you know, at, at a certain point during my first viewing of this movie, I was hoping that Jack would like join her in New York, but that's just never how these movies work out. They always, cause like there's a perfect opportunity for him to be like, I got it, babe. I'm going to run the Christmas cookie contest, go back to New York and kill it. And I'll see you at our Manhattan apartment in like six months or whatever, or six days. We never, we never get that. No, we never will. So not on lifetime. Amy stops by the bakery the next day and the door is unlocked, even though the store is shut down. And for what it's worth, the shop is like, it it suffers from that. It's too perfect sort of look. I mean, this should have, they should have had drop cloths over the tables. Like this is a, anyone who runs a food service business of any kind knows that you just do not allow dust to collect on expensive equipment it was yes expensive equipment like they they do this whole thing using ingredients that apparently have been on the shelf since last year like aunt linda got very sick after i guess the 49th cookie cookie yeah it was a bad it was a bad year that was a bad and i felt that you think about it how badly do you feel for the winner in the 49th year no cookie no cookie being sold for the year and what happens when the recipes end up in the tin? You're right. I wonder if they're giving up their rights. What if Linda has it in her her contract for the cookie contest that you're giving up the IP to your cookie? And you know what? Maybe if there's a part two of this movie, which I'm here for, Amy with her advertising and marketing genius that she is, she could create like the next Mrs. Fields or something. Like take it global. 
I felt like this is where it was going, right? I mean, I'm here for that. Absolutely. Bring so she like looks into the kitchen and we see a replay of her and Jack and her aunt cooking in the kitchen. And she decides to go back in the kitchen and look around some more. And Jeanette and Jack and some other guy, oh, Luke, I was calling him some other guy in my notes at points. A high school math teacher. Yes, they're sitting around having drinks at O'Brien's and Jack's telling them that the contest was a lost cause anyway. Getting word out would be hard enough, let alone all the things they need to do to prep. And I'm going to be real with you. This is just low ambition behavior. Like, I feel like between the two, like you and I, Girl, if if we had to put a, a cookie contest together in 24 hours, that place would be packed. We would have people driving in from the town next door. Absolutely. I this mean, is no question. Not a difficult word to spread, not a difficult get. It does seem strange though that like not everyone in attendance is allowed to vote on the cookies. And that's frustrating because if you're sh- if you're showing up to a cookie contest where one person try a cookie remember that they, they always say you might get to try a cookie. you might yes that is actually a major cock block like they should have had an open bar or there should have been like some sort of other treats that were being passed around i yeah that's how we would that's how you and i would definitely improve. yeah i mean you we would pack o'brien's <laughs> For sure. So Amy walks in and Jack's surprised that she stuck around and she's like, you know what? You're right. We owe it to Aunt Linda. Let's do this. If if I was good enough to get a promotion, my boss will understand. This whole thing with the boss is like she's just going to ignore Don for as long as humanly possible. And he's starting to get annoyed back in New York, right? Well, listen, I spent 10 years in corporate America. Like bosses like Don. You, you do sometimes just need to ignore them because they're energy vampires. They will suck all the energy that they can out of you. So that is my, I commend Amy for just putting Don's calls on mute. You know what I needed to hear? That's Amy. That's like why I never, that's why I can never swim too hard in those waters was because mm-hmm. I'm way too sensitive for that shit. Like if someone calls me, I'm picking up the phone. I don't have those boundaries. I think when you have a boss like a Don, for instance, you, you after so many years, feel very comfortable putting those boundaries up. It's self-preservation. So when I saw Amy kind of ignoring him, I'm like, good on Amy. Like, good for her. She told him she's at his, her aunt's funeral. And he said, just be back for Christmas Eve. So like, why is he harassing her? I want to get your like thoughts on this, right? Because like when he leaves her this message, he basically says that he wants her to leave a night, like he wants her to come back and Mm -hmm. give a 90 second acceptance speech for her position. It needs to be memorized and Bradley will pick her up at the airport. And I'm wondering like, is that normal an acceptance speech for a job promotion? Well, and there's a few things, there's a few things that are not normal about any of this. First and foremost, no one is having a Christmas party slash promotional acceptance speech party on Christmas Eve. Absolutely not. It's not happening. And, And the funny thing is like corporate America shuts down this week. I mean, like this is the last week, like it's a graveyard in corporate America. 
in LA, it's literally from Thanksgiving, the week before Thanksgiving until like the, like just past the first week of January, you're probably not going to hear from your agent. You're probably not going to get a network decision. You're not, you know, like it's just, (laughs) and like, I'd have to imagine like the uh, cutthroat world of advertising is not different. I mean, call me crazy. And if she's only getting promoted to junior partner, like where, where are the partners? Where are the VPs? Where are the directors? Where are the people that are beneath her? It seemed like a bustling office to me. Yeah. So, you know, I I would have muted Don's calls as well. He, I mean, he did tell her to go I home and now did. he's punishing her for it. Like, that's interesting too. The idea that he's like, yeah, go home. You need to be with your family. And then like the second she's potentially enjoying that time it's like no 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 no. you got to get your ass back here no because they're energy vampires like don's character i don't think is unique in corporate america no that's how he makes a profit right there's more dons than not and i i just i just think it was funny to see him spaz out all the time i mean really the man was such a spaz he was. And like, well, okay. So here's this other thing, right? Like the idea that he's the head of this marketing agency, you would think like, it's not like he's the editor of a magazine where right. his creativity is like, you know, it's, it's necessary, but like, it's more about making decisions. I I, feel, I can't imagine Don ever being in the position that Amy is in where he's like having to cast a you know, a celebrity to be a part of a campaign like this. It it just seems so far out of what Don would ever do. So it's like almost like more of a pipeline that you would see for Don, like maybe from like a real estate world or something where Don's great grandfather founded that advertising agency. And he's just like a legacy leader. Okay. That That's makes sense. The vibe I'm getting like that. He's really just out of touch because he has led this very sheltered, privileged life. Because normal people would know that you don't host a promotional Christmas party on Christmas Eve. Right. Like a Scrooge. That's yeah. That's advertising 101 is like, don't put out a big release as if it's like something you're trying to sneak under the wires. So and FYI, I mean, I'm sure you know this better than anyone with what goes on in LA with paparazzi. A picture of this guy carrying another bag from a different department store would not make any kinds of front page news. It wouldn't make front page news. It would definitely be a deal breaker, though. I mean, oh, a thousand percent, but not enough to be like, Three days before Christmas, we need a whole new campaign. Mm-mm. And is there no Wi-Fi in Chestnut? Was there no way for her to work on this remotely? I think in a situation like this, it would have been like you're expected to do like quarters one and two for free because the talent fucked this up. I think that that's like actually a more reasonable punishment from the brand because it's not like it's the talent it's that fucked on every billboard. that was so silly so she rehires Jeanette 
with a raise and Luke is going to help out with the finances because he's a high school math teacher and Jack, you know, they're going to figure out his role in all of this. So back in the, oh, blah, blah, blah. I did that. Okay. And Amy's role too, because apparently none of them bake. Amy's going to be the marketing genius. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's this like moment with Bradley after Don says that he needs her picked up from the airport. And he's like, well, I don't have a car. And Don says, this is New York City. Who doesn't have a car? And he goes, you don't have a car. And he says, I don't need a car. I have a driver. So like, LOL, he's out of touch. I do appreciate- His great-grandfather created the advertising agency. Yeah, like we're going for a little bit of like a Bluth family moment with that. But- He says that it's Christmas. He wants Amy to have a nice ride. He's going to be nicer this year. And part of that is getting Amy a ride from the airport and sending the guy that he fired the other day a fruitcake so he knows it's not personal. So like where they're trying to do this like fatherly thing with Dawn that never really like comes full circle for me. But I guess I guess it's important to someone that Dawn is trying. So everyone is at the bakery now, the four of them and the place hasn't changed a bit. Luke asks about the financials and Jeanette rummages like under the counter and finds a box of loose papers. Very weird. It was very weird. It's just very on the nose too. It's that's, that's the thing with it is it's like, come on, like come up with something a little bit like more spicy. It's weird that Luke and Jeanette didn't have any kids. That's a good question. Yeah, that's a good question. I would have loved a, like, a side infertility story. Or, like, seeing two younger kids helping in the bakery like Amy and Jack did when they were kids. That's a great point. Layered it a little bit more. Like, the, the four of them kind of reminded me of, like, the Three Stooges. <laughs> Yeah, they put themselves into that bakery. Well, like they, yeah, it's it's actually incredible how incompetent four adults are, especially considering Jeanette worked there. So I don't know what she did if she's just like a forty year old woman running a cash register at the bakery. Which, by the way, nothing wrong with that. But But, like, but she made a point like I should know these recipes. Couldn't find her tin of recipes. That was a big. That was the big, you know, drama that the tin was nowhere to be found well that's why i know linda's a menace right because like she didn't have that thing in a safe with a key like it was just apparently the recipe box was out willy-nilly she never wrote this shit down in an email for anyone like you would think there would be a handwritten letter somewhere in amy's apartment where bradley has to overnight the letter or like bradley maybe has to fly out and bring her this like old card from her apartment like let's give bradley something other to do than just be like this like pain in the ass but how i mean this is why we need a sequel because i would love to see aunt linda's recipe tin turned into some like food network show i agree you know there's so many places that this could go this is how I feel. I, I love that you're going to there because like I, that's where I live a lot where I'm like, I need a prequel. Mm-hmm. I need a prequel. I need like a continuation. I need the next generation because like yeah. that's, you know, the, these movies give you so little that they make you want more, which is what is, it's such a, oh, this movie gave bare bones. And I was thinking about it and like, I watched this when it came out, but I had completely forgotten it. Yeah. You watch them, but they're all so similar that like 
I mean, I've even had my husband joke with me before, like, it's like, you've watched this movie before. Like, you've watched this Lifetime movie before. But I've watched so many of them for, like, 30 years that I, like, they all kind of lead together for me. Okay, so, like, this is interesting because I think Christmas is their weak spot. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, obviously I love this movie. I've been the movies. I've been doing this for five Mm -hmm. years. I never thought I'd do more than 15 episodes. It's like the weirdest thing that people like listening to this show, but every, I always say there's no, you know, for a, for a network that's like so riddled with like a reputation about its cliches, Mm -hmm. there really is no traditional lifetime movie. The more you watch them, the more you realize like, oh, wow, they're really willing to like kind of go weird sometimes or experimental or like really switch things up. And, but these Christmas movies are just, I, I feel like And I say this as if I can't talk to them, but like, I feel like I need to get into lifetime and say, Hey guys, like you can have as much fun in these Christmas movies as you do in all the other movies. I've been looking for like a dark Christmas movie. Like Mm -hmm. that's what lifetime specializes in and what they that Hallmark can't is like, they can have a, a more adult themed Christmas movie. And I know that they were trying to be the answer to some of like, hallmarks i mean definitely the homophobia because lifetime is like mm-hmm. put out like four gay christmas movies since yeah. then but like you you'll notice with lifetime like the most diversity they ever do is in a movie like this not this movie but a right. lot of times like you'll see there's more poc leads in lifetime movies that are christmas themed than ever like the Christmas movies are the place where they like explore in some ways, but then they just give no plot, which I feel like what's the point of diversifying your Christmas content if you're not going to give them good movies? Well, I, you know, here's the thing. And if you ever talk to the people at Lifetime about writing an amazing Lifetime Christmas movie, which let me know and I will watch it. (laughs) I, for instance, like Love Actually, that is my favorite Christmas movie of all time. Adult Christmas movie. I love Love Actually. It's cheesy, but it's it makes me cry every time I watch it. It's almost like that is the thing that Lifetime could go in with their movies. You know, the, the, the beautiful stories of family and cheating and lost loved ones. And, you know, like you were saying, like it could be a lot more interesting. Yeah that they're putting out and you can never tell the love actually is one of those movies that has a lot of dark stuff you know that these main characters are dealing with but it's you know it's you're you still leave feeling good every time you watch it that's how I feel about the family stone yeah which is like honestly a movie about the weirdest and most rude family ever but like you are like okay well first of all I love that too as like a New England person which is like a whole mental yeah to be like a New Englander is a real vibe are you from Florida like born and raised but my parents are both from Pennsylvania okay okay because you got a lot of that mid-Atlantic sensibility Okay. I was going to say like, you can't always tell like an East coasty type person mm-hmm. when you're one. And sometimes it's like a second gen, but like, yeah. yeah, I, uh, I, I do. I love 
the family stone because it's that perfect mix of just like bizarre adult behavior and a really heartwarming story about like, you know, and family is flawed and strange and, you know, complex and people have a lot of feelings about it. So it makes for the best adult Christmas stories because all of us as adults, even if you don't celebrate Christmas, it's a very reflective time. Mm-hmm. Well, this time of year is like a very reflective time. It's slower. It's not as much going on. There's not as many distractions. And I, I think Lifetime has nowhere to go but up with their Christmas program. <laughs> film. It was cute. That's a really nice way to say there's a needs improvement. There's okay. always room for improvement, though. You're right. You're right. Especially at the cookie contest. So yeah. This mm-hmm. clip of all of them in the kitchen, 2935-2138. You guys weren't kidding. This place really hasn't been updated. You know, for a silent partner, you talk a lot. What? So when do we open? I think we can get this up and running in a day or two. Not here. Guys, we got a problem. Just one? I can't find Linda's recipe, Tim. Oh, come on. She still didn't keep her recipes in it. Seriously? Well, she was old-fashioned. Well, would it have been too much for her to get a computer? Yeah. Tell me about it. (laughs) Well, come on. It's got to be around her somewhere, right? Well, you know what? I'll just keep checking. And um, in the meantime, I mean, I have some cookbooks at home. No, 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 no. We can't open Linda's bakery without Linda's cookies. That tin was her prized possession. It had every secret recipe in it. Well, I don't see it around here anywhere. All right, why don't you guys keep looking? I'll call Dylan. Okay. Okay. Mr. Carruthers, Amy Stone for you, line one. Thank you. Amy, (laughs) how's it going down there so far? Could be better. I can't find Linda's recipe tin. Do you have any idea where it's at? Uh, what does it look like? I know exactly what it looks like. Remember when we were kids and you knocked it over and it took Aunt Linda three days to put every card back? Oh, that. Yes, that. I can't believe after all these years you still think I did that on purpose. Yes, because I saw you do it. Oh, see, that's where you're mistaken. It was an accident. We were kids, we were playing around, and and no, I haven't seen it. Okay, thanks. We'll keep looking. All right, you guys get those cookies done. Bye now. Bye. I don't know why, but talking to him kind of makes my skin crawl. It's been a long time. People change. Doubt it. Linda must have taken the tin home for safekeeping. Well, lucky for us, I have a key to her house. So if it's there, I will find it. Right. They just like, let it go. They're like, let's put up decorations. There, there's no, it's sort of like they all have ADHD. Yes. <laughs> like, and none of them are medicated for it. You know, no, I'm like, what are you, me being like, yeah. okay, oh, you know exactly what my Aunt Linda's recipe tin is like. Um, anyway, <laughs> you know, like it's very much yeah, like ornaments now, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So everyone's about ready to leave the bakery at night, and Jack suggests that they bring cookbooks just in case they can't find the recipe book the next day. And we cut to busy New York. Amy is finally on the phone with Don, who's taking a call standing in his office. Like, it's late at night. Don has no one to go home to. Right. Rude. 
he's Scrooge. And so he's like, I thought you were going to go pay respects to your aunt, not reopen a family business. Mm -hmm. You know, are you this easily swayed with our clients? And it's like, no, that's why you just promoted her, Don. Like, let her have six days. Like, I mean, we know that this is like, what? It's seven days away from Christmas. Like, I think a week bereavement is okay. Especially for a parent, but also, again, it is the holidays. Even New York City, corporate New York City is not working three days before Christmas. They're not. It's dead. Exactly. Done. I guess unless your boss is Dawn. I mean, it's crazy. So, you know... He's like, she's like, this is more complicated than I expected. And he's like, you have to be here on Christmas Eve for the announcement. I've been way too nice to you lately. And so then she hears this noise. She's at her aunt's house now. She hears this noise, which seems impossible because she just got there. And she whispers to Dawn, there's something going on. Someone's there, which I'm wondering, would you have stayed on the phone with your corporate boss if you heard a noise in the house like this? I probably would have been like, Don, gotta go, and picked up the phone and called 911. Right. Not have stayed on the phone with Don because Don is a useless human being when it comes to helping others. I'm sure there are some bosses that would be like, okay, I'm gonna pick up my other phone just in case and like call for help, but I don't get that vibe from Don. So our previous guest, Kyle Rupert, and I were on Stereo, which is a place where we do live shows sometimes. And Mm -hmm. we were talking, I was talking to him about this movie. And I said, this is where it had potential to be a real lifetime movie because she opens the door to the bathroom and it's like Jack quickly wrapping a towel around his waist. And I guess- A little pink towel, like a hand towel. And that's supposed to make us, I guess, scandalized as an audience. But I'm thinking to myself, in real life, this is where the Lifetime movie starts to get juicy. It's like the guy from your high school who can't take no for an answer is in your aunt's shower. Like when you're like, you didn't even know he had a key. And, and But he did. I don't remember him leaving so much ahead of her. That and like, did she not see his car in the driveway? Right, right. <laughs> did she not see the light on in the house? And where was she? Like, did she just get off the plane and go to the funeral and then like spend the day in town? She didn't think like, oh, let me go put my stuff down at my aunt's. Like the whole thing was very confusing. And maybe that's why she left New York in that big black hat because she was going straight from the airport to the funeral and like her. And what a funeral dress. (laughs) Say what you will. That's Denise. Great figure. She killed it. Really like prettiest, prettiest grieving adopted daughter that I've seen in a long time. So she does have a lot going for her in that sense. Oh, yeah, she's a babe. I mean, she really is. She she really, really, truly is. And that's what cracked me up when she runs into Earl Jr. in the town. Because he was almost like seen like the local celebrity. Well, she is. And she she is that. And like, we'll get to know even more about that in just a little bit. Mm -hmm. But like, they're going to have this whole moment where they're like, you know, it's sort of a... uh, 
what are you doing here? You don't belong here. Like, <laughs> sort but of. Like, where did she think that? But, but I think what's weird is that they spend this whole afternoon and early evening together. And he's not like, my parents live in Florida now. I have a key to the house. I know. Well, like if she yeah. is medicated for ADHD, she doesn't have it. But I am impressed because she's like, because I mean, this girl has outran the day. She's been on her feet for 15 hours. Five in seals. Yes. She went to a funeral. She learned that she inherited a bakery and a house. She went to the bakery and spent a good day, like trying to get it up. She assigned tasks to everyone. I mean, normally after a funeral, you just sort of like eat and drink and then go to bed. Oh, my thing. Yeah. No, she's got it all. Why wasn't Frank at the funeral? Why was this small little town going about their daily business? But Aunt Linda died. Maybe Frank killed her. I don't know, but I was really disappointed that Frank was just in his bar. Business usual. And Aunt Linda was just put into the ground. It Mm -hmm. really gave me no faith in Frank. Yeah, I actually, now that you mention it, maybe we do need an additional spinoff where it's just the story of Frank being arrested for like slowly (laughs) poisoning Linda. As much as I hate to say it, I hate to say it, but. It's like she was this crucial integral part of the town and like Earl Jr. is walking around like, Sorry, Aunt Linda passed away. It's like, dude, she was just buried three hours ago. Why weren't you at the funeral? Right. <laughs> Why was no one in the town at the funeral? Why was Jeanette the only person at the funeral? Yeah, I, I mean, even the high school kids did a moment of silence and Frank can't show up. Right, that's like her buddy. But yeah, I mean, like there's this thing where I really feel like instead of a personality trait that's like positive, they just gave him the military because like they keep referencing it where she's like, you were in the military. You can you pack light. Like, can't you just get out of here? And he says he knows this is a lot to process. He'll stay in the living room. She'll be in her own bedroom Mm -hmm. and he'll be a perfect gentleman, which I'm like, what does that mean? You're not going to like sneak into her room and take advantage of her. Right. Uh, I don't so, know if I can like feel sexual tension between the two of them. It's almost like they are fighting with each other, like a brother and a sister who don't get along. Exactly. I, I don't know if it's, I mean, if it's a writing thing, if it's an acting thing, I don't know what it is, but it doesn't seem like jilted lovers who, like, that's not the tension that I feel. I feel like I hate you because Aunt Linda liked you more than me. Yes. Yes. And it's also, it's also bizarre to think that these people are about to carry this beef. If this hadn't happened, if Aunt Linda hadn't passed, like there, you almost think that these people would have carried this beef as aggressively into their forties, which is just so dark to think about because- I, I mean, there are so many exes that like, I've even like, I've shit talked to them. I've been over there. I've been over them. I've been like, you know, beyond, right. but this is like unreal to me where, you know, you've got it. years. Yes. Share a smile. We've seen each other for 14 years. Exactly. So, um, she pulls it. 
she pulls out her computer and she Googles Jack Evans and an article comes up about how he was just honored enough uh, for his uh, third tour of duty in Afghanistan. So again, like that's his redeeming quality. Let's play 35, 55 to 36, 40. This is sort of the beginning of a montage of them getting the bakery back together. We're going to open up with Earl Jr. on the mic. This is Earl Pratt Jr. What's cracking, Chestnut? I've got some breaking blast from the past news for you. Straight from the streets, you'll never believe who I ran into on a walk. None other than the class of 91 homecoming queen, head cheerleader, and all-around it girl, Amy Stone. Be still, my heart. Remember, you heard it here first on K-Nut 100.5, The Nut. Rise and shine. Get up. Mm-hmm. What? It's 6 a.m. Exactly. We need to find my aunt's recipe tin. Wake up. Come on. Coffee? Can you put on some coffee, please? Okay. There's no way that a radio station could ever be called the nut, right? <laughs> in, sm- in chestnut, it probably could be because they don't think that way. They right. Exactly. And life is, is a. PG movie. I would hate to see what a high schooler would look like in this town. They're probably all like doing meth in a barn just outside (laughs) the city limit. That's why we don't see them in the town. You're so right. I was going to say like major homeschooled vibes, but you're right. Like the kids are absolutely on crystal at like. And they're they're drinking like moonshine. Mm Mm-hmm. I I, I think they're wayward. I Mm -hmm. think of chestnut are wayward. That's why she couldn't differentiate between an orphan and Jack because she's like, they all sort of go crazy at a certain age here, you know? Yeah. Well, and and listen, like rightfully so. It it seems like if a cookie contest is, (laughs) I don't know. I'm a pretty pretty, like easy to please girl that is a little too boring for even me you're so right so Amy's like you know they're drinking their coffee in the kitchen and uh the tin is nowhere to be found and my coffee make some coffee woman like a caveman though and And I'm like does he have a drinking problem he looks like he's hungover doesn't he Yes, because he's like so bad at waking up where it's like the one true thing I can imagine from like a military man is he can pull his shit together in the morning. Well, and also I will say that the older that we get before not drinking, I mean, you could tell me to set the alarm for five o'clock and I can be up. Dude, I'm up every day at like 4.30. Like latest I've slept in forever is like 9 a.m., and I thought Funny that because was- I've noticed that you text early for West Coast, which must be a morning person too. I'm a morning person. Yeah. You can get so much done in the stillness of the morning. Yeah. I just, I don't know. It's something happened to me. I think it was over quarantine mm-hmm. and I just stopped like, and now when I'm up past like 9 a.m., my hands are, or 9 p.m., my hands are shaking. I'm really? like, my life is out of control. Like I should be asleep by now. And like, you know, if I'm, if I'm up to like 1130, I'm like, this is really rock and roll. Like I might even take a piece of a Xanax because my nerves are raging. The point is, is that 
They got home from working at the bakery. Yep. Showered. And unless he like had a bottle of like the moonshine hidden under his twin bed, there's no reason that he was so like grumpy and disheveled. Like you were saying, it didn't make sense. It was very weird. And how he was like barking at her for coffee. And plus like he seems like his voice seems like from another body. It seems almost like a voice you would put on if you were like a voice actor maybe and you needed to do like a quick commercial or something, right? Well, he always played like the skeevy guy next door. I mean, that makes total sense. Like he didn't play like the good, like popular guy next door that did no wrong like if I can remember when you would see him years and years ago he was like the one that was like a little dark yeah I mean it makes sense he's like the bad boy right yeah yeah but yeah that's why I said I'm like I could have even seen him more as like Dylan he was not cast correctly yeah, that's exactly right right because like this is that for some reason this like guy that he's supposed to be playing, it just doesn't feel right. It feels like the military story is like retrofit to this personality, but not even really. Like it, it, it. Justin Hartley could have played this role. Who's that? The guy on This Is Us. Oh. Like someone like him, like a little simpleton-ish, you know? Yeah. Simple, not edgy, not dark. But she would never have conflict with that guy. And like there Luke, Luke could have played a better Jack. Yes. Yeah. Cause Luke is viable, right? He has that like sort of Blake Shelton thing to yes. have. He's like a skinny yes. Blake Shelton. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Exactly. But but the the we you know, you know where it's going. You're like these two definitely dated. And obviously we'll get to the scene where you kind of can like start piecing that together. But if you haven't pieced that together yet, you don't watch enough Lifetime movies. No. Oh, well, obviously not. I mean, right. come on, these two wouldn't have even spoken. But no, right. it does feel like virginity drama to me. And that's what makes me upset about the lost, the, the hanging like chads, the dimpled chads, so to speak. This is for the older people in the crowd. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, he's just a little like, did he like, take her virginity and dump her like did she like like what happened it feel because it feels like something that's like okay this actually makes sense for these characters to be so upset because it's like you kind of get the feeling that the woman is being vilified she wanted more out of life than chestnut had to offer right and so you know that makes her what a bad person, a bad girlfriend, too ambitious of a woman. Who knows? You I know? mean, I would say oh, a third, a third tour in Afghanistan sounds pretty ambitious to me. And I think what's interesting is that I mean, he was in the military for 14 years. And so he must have joined when she decided to go to New York. Yeah. 
I think this is what I was like trying to piece together because that's all I ever do is like figure out timelines. No, I'm I like this is how this podcast started was like my brain being broken. And also like once you study, (laughs) like once you are, I was a film major, not to brag, but like I was a film major and like your, you know, your brain is broken. Like from that day forward, you can never watch a movie without asking like more questions than you could possibly answer. And so I appreciate that in a guest and you. Okay. So they're like, okay, Santa sparks. Those things were amazing. Takes them a minute to remember. They have to find these recipes. They are important actually. So she has them go search the garage. She's going to do the living room. I would do the same. There's no way I'm going to the garage. Yeah. Let him go. Yeah. Let him go. So then they have this moment where Jack like finds this pair of skates and then he finds the corsage that he gave her for prom. And at the same time, she's inside the house finding the uh, prom photo and just, you know, Aunt Linda is like a real creep. Like she, <laughs> she's a real creep in that way. <laughs> she's sitting there watching her Jeopardy at night. That picture from 1991. Yeah. It's like almost like wellness check, like status. Like I'm like, Amy, have you really not been back in that long? So they get to the bakery and everyone goes inside. Amy notices that Earl is out on the sidewalk and he wants to talk to her. So like, it's this moment, I guess maybe Amy did arrange it, but they decide that she's going to come on the radio and promote the event. And he's going to run a special event for her. So yeah. So Earl is like out on the sidewalk talking to himself, like well after she's inside complaining to everyone about what a talker he is. And I'm like, okay, so this is a town where I also feel like there needs to be some like educational plans. Because I'm starting to think like, okay, like there actually seems to be like, I feel like Earl isn't just like overstepping. I feel like Earl might have like ADD or something. I think the whole town does. Yeah. I'm starting to get the vibe that the whole town, they need a life coach. I think a life coach could make a killing in that town. Yes. Yes. Actually, you're so right. Oh my God. An MLM. Can you imagine? Uh, oh, thriving. They're, it's, they're thriving there. They're Just, all selling LuLaRoe. They're selling LuLaRoe. They're selling beauty counter. I mean, they're thriving there. Do you know a uh, fellow TikTok creator, Berta Like Woe, aka Roberta from the LuLaRoe documentary? You know what? I So I... I watched the Lula Row, Lula Rich, and I, you know, I, I don't follow her, but I find her investigations into MLMs very enjoyable when they come up on my FYP. Yeah, no, she's amazing. We actually like, we're so, I don't know how we even lucked into it, but she's on our network now. And like, oh, wow. Yeah, I know. Podcast. I saw that she was doing a podcast. And it feels like they need, honestly, in this town, they need the things that are, it's all MLM stuff, right? Like Jeanette needs an adult friend. Jeanette needs like two children, an adult friend besides her husband, Luke. Right. Um, And she has great hair. Like, I feel like she could be selling like Monat. Is that what it's called? And she needs, I think, I think she needs Adderall. She does need Adderall. She does. You worked in the bakery for 15 years and not know how to make Santa Sparks. 
Yes. She sounds like me where it's like, oh, I just don't like pay attention to those details. Like it's just- But if you did it so repetitiously, <laughs> if you were doing it so like repetitiously every day for like 15 years, I mean, I don't, you- <laughs> You would have to be like comatose, like weekend at Bernie. <laughs> no, you you're not sure. know how to make those. You're so right. Right? Amy's like, we got to get some cookies in the oven ASAP. And Jeanette's like, oh my God, that's so smart. Like the smell of fresh baked cookies. Like that's like right. scent advertising or something. Right. Ad- advertising genius. That's what she said. Mm-hmm. And it's not edible. But like, it, I understand what she's trying to say. And I love that this is the level we're coming in on of like Amy's expectations. Whereas like every store in the mall knows to like pump the scent. But yeah, we find out that the finances, according to Luke, are in like D plus territory, which Jack is, you know, he's he thinks that's passing. So that's all that matters. I right. really thought we were going to find an accounting loophole where like actually the bakery was like 25 grand ahead this year, but like she had, you know, dropped your receipt or something. Like I thought Luke was going to reveal that the bakery had been much more lucrative and could stay open for longer. I mean, listen, she's got a prime spot on main street. Mm-hmm. That building alone is worth money. Yeah. And her home. I thought that was a beautiful home. Yeah. It was a beautiful. And, I mean, I know times were different when this was filmed five years ago, but I thought she Aunt Linda's a millionaire. I agree. He's in disarray. I think Aunt Linda was living a pretty nice life. I agree. I agree. Wait, so this definitely was filmed pre-COVID. I was gonna say this does have this sort of like mark of a post-COVID movie where there's such like such limited extras so many so limited sets that it does almost feel like this could have been filmed post-covid because like the lifetime movies that have been filmed or not post-covid during the pandemic have a different feel to them like this so okay wait this is like five years ago yeah on beverly hills 2017 okay it was a bare bones budget I wonder with like the wardrobe with like a Denise, I always think like the richer actresses that this isn't a big deal for them to go do it. I like really sort of established this theme when I saw a Jamie Lynn Siegler movie that was made in just 2020. I wonder if they wear their real life accessories to give wealth or like bring in a scarf or something because like they're not working out of they they don't have like real stylists on these movies as much as a lot of times they're pulled from like a master closet. Right. Right. I mean, listen, I I think Denise is not really a fashionista. She got a lot of slack for that when she was on Beverly Hills. Did she? Yeah, well they were calling her like disingenuous because she became a little bit more fashionable in her second season, which is like known as second season glow up mm-hmm. it's with every person on reality TV. In history. In history. Like you see yourself without hair and makeup, out of stylist, putting your outfits together. And you're like, I need to fix this. And every housewife does it. She's like a real jeans and t-shirt kind of girl. She is. Like I... Like that's, I like that. I, I think she's very true to who she is. 
Well, that's like why I loved her so much on her reality show. With her dad, I know. I know, it was, oh my God, what was it called? But, so I don't know like if she's bringing like the luxury because I don't really get that vibe from Denise. Like she's very, very laid back. Yeah, it just feels like it looks, this movie looks richer than they normally do. I also think they did a really good job with the house in terms of, it was clearly updated on Linda's house with subway tile and like sort of that more like weathered looking. Her house was stunning. Yeah, they did a really good job. It clearly had like a good facelift to it, but they still like used a toaster oven that looked old. Like it had the right amount of aging on it. It had the right amount of like kitschy stuff that like your 80 year old aunt would have in her nice home. We love that. We so, do. I loved Aunt Linda's house. I, I you know, I, I would buy it. I would buy it too. I definitely would. It also, I was looking at it from the outside. It looks like a nice Palm Springs house. Like I felt like there was going to be a pool in the back. I kind of got like vibes that maybe it'd be like Northern California somewhere. Let me see if the website's going to, if IMDb is going to grace me with some details today. It said it was filmed in Los Angeles. There's no extra. I mean, this has to be like in the Valley for sure. Like a little flip or something. It's cute. And the town looked like, you know, the town looked like a poor man's Aspen. Yes. I'm like, this is really nice. This is a nice town. It did look nice. They did a really good job with making it feel like not lonesome. Sometimes these towns feel a little lonesome. But yeah, so they're going to like do a little montage here. We see like a quickie grand reopening with a ribbon cutting. And then Dylan takes a call in his office and he's like, calm down. The bakery's only going to be open for two weeks. Mm -hmm. And the guys are like hustling out on the street being like, come on into our bakery. And uh, Dylan is still on this call. We see another clip of it. He says he's doing everything he can to make sure that the bakery is not too successful. Trust me. Right. So yeah, we see Luke and Jack trying to fix this old truck up. Jack's like, oh, I know what to do. I was in the military. So he like fixes the distributor cables. And then, you know, at this point, Luke is like, he has to confront him. Like, what happened to Becky from the pro shop? What happened right. to her? And what happened to Lee, the waitress? And he says, I checked her online status and saw she was in a relationship. I think it's with someone from the program. She seems so happy. So is he saying that like, I'm, I'm, are we talking about the same program? No. I think he was trying to say like she was a drunk and she met someone in AA. Well, here's the thing. Obviously... Jake decided not to settle down and went off. He's a tall, good looking guy. Okay. So is this Luke's way of saying he like got around the town? Yeah. That he's, he dated? Yeah. He's calling him a little bit of a man whore. And like, right. I mean, listen, I guess you'll, I don't know, maybe your husband has told you, or maybe we'll have to get a man on the show to, to tell us firsthand, but Like, is this something that actually happens? Like men looking at their peers in their forties and being like, when are you going to settle down? Like, I feel like that's something I've only seen in me. Funny story. Funny story. Give me it. It, I think this also depends on where you live. Okay. I mean, I think there are certain places that like, for instance, if I was single, I would not want to be living in Fort Lauderdale. 
as a 40 something year old. Okay. So that's number one, but number two, like <laughs> I, I, number two, I think there are like, I wouldn't want to be in chestnut as a single 40 something year old. I mean, what's going on in that town? But also like he lives in Florida. Frank didn't even get together. Like I, but I do think men, if all of their peers are, are settled down for the most part, like I definitely, like my husband will say from time to time about like some of his friends kind of like, what are they doing? But like, like what's what, like, what, what's, what are you doing? Like, I think the thing my husband hates the most are like, when these guys get to a certain age and like you string these girls along for such a long time. And it's like, we're not in our twenties anymore. Like you can't do that. You're right. That's a vibe. You're right. No, it is different. It's that most of the men that we know that are down here in like the late thirties, forties that are not married, don't have children. It's like real Peter Pan syndrome. You're so right. And actually that's probably true for like 90% of the world. I just, I don't think of it that way. Cause like I, to me, like the alternative to my life, I don't know. Like, I just like, I think it's like fun to be like a woman who's single. Like, I don't know that it comes with the same, like, I mean, maybe it's like the spinster trope, but like. Well, I think of it as like a Randall Emmett vibe too like right like you know it, it's it's especially the ones that get older and have a lot of money maybe at their disposal it's like they they want to make up for lost time they're not really like looking for a real partnership they're just like looking for notches on their belt right and get when they were in college and stuff yeah, you're right. No, that makes sense. You're right. That makes sense. I mean, listen, it's definitely, it's interesting if you're a guy and you're so disinteresting that your friends are like, you need, why, why wouldn't you have figured out a partner by now? Cause I feel like truly I think that they want to like yeah. an equal partner. Like they want someone that they can control. That's what I think. I'm like, yeah. that's why I'm like, stop encouraging the Randall Emmett's of the world to get right. married because they'll just marry. Well, like I love Lala, but like, truthfully, they'll marry Lala. You marry Lala. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, Lala's great, but if you have nothing else to do. <laughs> like, I do think men, it's either like the theory that misery loves company. Like, Luke is probably like, I'm so miserable, like in Chestnut with Jeanette and no children. And she can't even haphazardly run a bakery. And I'm, you know, like, I think he's just like, you've been all over the world. You've got this storied military career. You've dated all of these beautiful women. Why haven't you like settled down and figured your life out? No, it's the heteronormativity of it all. Like, it's like, uh, you haven't, what do you mean you haven't procreated with a woman? Right. And like the dad asked that too. Like, this is a theme that is kind of like following Jake around and all of his scenes, you know, with one other male person. I don't think he'll ever be ready to be a dad. Spoiler alert, not to be a dick, guys. 
And you know what? Some men shouldn't be. They really shouldn't be like, just take a hard pass. You know, like I refuse to take a 23 in me because my biggest fear is that I'll have a sibling. Like, I don't want to know. Like, I can't take that on right now. I've enjoyed my life so much just being like selfish and alone. Like I love, you know, my dad passed away 10 years ago and suddenly my parents were married forever, but he was not like the most faithful of husbands. And so my sister and I always joke, like, oh gosh, we can't do like ancestry or 23 makes. We're going to end up having like no. half brother in like Argentina or something. I know it's like disgusting, but I've always loved Dr. Laura. I think I was like mm-hmm. indoctrinated at a young age. I know she's a bigot. I know she's terrible, yeah. but like I do. I love Dr. Laura. Uh-huh. Dr. Laura is so staunchly against like 23andMe or anything like that. And because uh-huh. she's nothing good comes of it. She's like, sure, it's like Pandora's bath. Mm-hmm. And also like I... I don't know. I act like, I think it's just my Catholic guilt, but like, I could never be in a database where like the cops could be like, can I have Molly McAleer's blood, please? Like, I, <laughs> no way. Are you kidding me? Well, that's the thing. It's like the only thing that you can like really protect is your DNA. And you just like, so cavalierly, like put it out there into the universe. You don't know who, what research companies could be buying it. What police for, you know, law enforcement. I'm, exactly. I think it's like terrifying that. And like, I'd be terrified to like find out that I have some family that I knew nothing about. No, that's so interesting that you just said yeah. that. Like I'm even, okay. I, I like, I love it's also that. I think that this is a common, and like, when I tell you that I'm a daddy's girl, I had the most fabulous dad. I was so, so close with him. I loved his pieces. It's, you know, I have, I, 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 but I, he was not a, I mean, that's so interesting that you can say that. That's like so interesting that you can say that and, and be, and like be cool with it because I feel like that's true for so many people. And like you, you know, like you're laughing as you say it. Like I, guys, I can see Queen Board, but she can't see me. Okay. You know what? I think people think that you get like older and you become, you know, I don't know, like a nun or you have no idea what's going on in the world. I think like the older that I get, the more like liberal and like open-minded and like live in the gray. Yeah. Like I kind of, it's very weird. Like I, I, I get less uptight each year that passes. No, I know. Like, like life is just like, if you can't laugh at things, like what's the point? I definitely feel like quarantine changed me completely in terms of like now I'm kind of like, I could, any friend of mine could tell me that they murdered someone and I would be like completely like, all right, well, you know, I've had like, I feel like I've had enough time to decompress that my personality has come out. I watched, have you ever seen polyamory married and dating on Showtime? No, I haven't. You have to watch. It's like a softcore porn, but it's also like these, but it's mostly a reality show about these. Isn't that what Showtime is? Yes. But like, it's like a, it's like you get this narrative of these polyamorous couples Mm -hmm. over two seasons. And I think like, 
I've, I've always, every time I've watched it, I've been so disgusted by all of them, like, in right. different, but like I had to rewatch it early on in quarantine. And I said to myself, like, I honestly, I think I could be Polly. Like, I'm not interested in any of this, but like, that's something that if you told me that earlier in life, I would, I would have, my mind would have been blown. Like I would have said, that's disgusting. That's insane. Who would do that? That's like so weird. And, and right. well, you become more comfortable with the weird. Yes. And while it's probably not true, I probably could not be in a polyamorous right. relationship. Like I'm, I'm at this age now where all of the things that I know I would have been like, ew, that's psychotic. That's crazy. Like I would have thrown like right. terrible labels on all of those things. Fuck it. Who cares? You know what I mean? As long as everyone's happy, I don't care. Well, and I, and I think also it's, it's definitely a personality trait to kind of be like, you do you and I'll do me and I'm not going to judge you yeah I, I kind of I kind of and I know sometimes I create content and it might seem like I'm being judgmental but like my background I was a sociology and communications I double majored and I just find people like fascinating same like look at the bigger picture of things like I can't look at things very like one-dimensionally no, I, I agree. I wanted to do sociology too, but I, I was never going to pass statistics, but I wanted yeah. to be a social worker. And no, truly, I really do think that's why I think I love TikTok, especially as someone who's not there for like the mm-hmm. dances or the com, like, you know, whatever. Yeah. Like I really enjoy that at any given point during the day, I can open my phone and see like 20 different types of lives that I would have never have been exposed to. I would never right. meet that people. And it's like, oh my God, think like, this is so refreshing. Like not only, you know, in a time when I'm not supposed to be seeing or meeting anyone new, like right. I'm witnessing all of this and it's, it's very inspiring, you know? But I think what's interesting though, just in general of what's happened to our society is that we are much more, there's not as much personal space anymore. Right. No, I agree. It's like the fourth wall is broken. We're all connected and in touch and we kind of can be voyeurs into, like you said, all these different ways of life. And I, and I think it's like interesting to say, well, but why is it that way? Right. Does this, does this create an emotional response in me? Does it interest me? Is it not interesting to me? I'm always like, that's how my brain works. Like I'm kind of, I'm kind of always like trying to figure out like, what is the, what is the bigger picture here? Well, that's why I was so drawn to your content about Bravo, because like you discuss it in a really adult way. And I feel like you don't even like there's such an absence of people who are not petty about, you know, everyone has like their things that they need to like, let go about. Like the queen of the underdogs. No, me too. Like that's honestly. I'm an underdog girl. I know. I can't help it. 
Okay. That's a, okay. Yep. So that's the thing. Like I literally, yeah, I'm an underdog person, like to the point where it's like, my friends are like, Oh, Molly, you always like the underdog. And I'm like, no, like you don't understand. Like, I actually do think this person is getting the shit end of the stick or like, like I, that's, those are the things that sit with me the most are like misunderstood women. Mm -hmm. Like it really bothers me. Like I was free Britney since like 2010. Like I literally have been, this is my, like, you know, this is my thing. Like I just want, and I think it's also why I love lifetime movies so much. And I think that that's why we both feel so strongly about Amy. Yes. <laughs> going on with Amy as we do because she's she's going through some things. Okay, so back to Amy. There's this like morning interview with Earl, Amy, and Jack. And Jack insisted to go. Yeah, no, he like refused to be left out because he right. is like a, you know, he's a my core, like he wants, he does, he wants right. all the attention. Yes. 4628 to 4823. It's time for my favorite segment, Coca Leads. And I've got big news keeping our Christmas cookie town traditional alive. Are the new co owners of Coca Cakes, Amy Stone and Jack Evans. Thank you, Earl. We're very happy to be here. Now, for those of you that don't know, Amy and Jack used to help run this contest when they were kids. Yes, we did. What's it like being back, doing it again after all these years? Oh, it's so great. We're so excited about this contest. (laughs) No, I mean, you and Jack, everybody with a memory that goes back that far knows that you two lovers were the hottest ticket in town back in the day. (laughs) I I don't know, (laughs) Uh, because we're here to talk about the contest. So no sparks then? That was a long time ago. All righty then, what can folks expect in this contest? We're celebrating the 50th anniversary of the contest we're asking everyone to bring a treat down and you can sample it maybe win and in the end you know you can have a cookie or two or you know share some holiday cheer speaking of cheer are you two going to be toasting anything in particular this holiday just the bakery jack do you have a girlfriend right now i don't don't answer that so you're single and and amy are you single i'm going to be baking we are Talking about these wonderful cookies and keeping Aunt Linda's tradition alive. Okay, let's take a caller. Caller, you're on the air with Jack and Amy from Cocolitas. I'm so glad I got through. Amy and Jack, I was a freshman when you guys were seniors. Every girl wanted to be just like you guys. What happened? We're just here to talk about the bakery. Contest. Remember, it's the cookie contest that we're talking about. Sorry, the contest. Yeah, the contest. (laughs) Okay, caller, thanks for the call. And I recommend everybody here in Chestnut come on down to this contest and see what Amy and Jack are up to for themselves. Great. We look forward to it. Is there like a famous couple where you're from? Like people who are like, we had Chet and Natalie in Boston who were like two news anchors that were husband and wife. And like everyone loved Chet and Natalie. They, they fell in love on the air. And it was like sort of this thing where everyone was like low key invested in this otherwise normal couple. Is there like a famous couple where you're from? Not really. I mean, you know, we have a lot of we have a lot of celebrities down here in like Miami. So I feel like, you know, how does Dwayne Wade not get all the attention? Like there's just like certain people suck all the oxygen out of the air because we don't have as many celebrities as like LA or New York. Right. I can't think of like a hometown couple, you know? No, you're right. Miami's pretty poppin'. 
Girl, when yeah, was the last time you went to a club? The last time I went to a club? Yeah. Gosh. Actually, right before quarantine. Really? Party. Um, it was a fundraiser, but it was very hip in a club. Um, and it was our last time out before everything shut down. Dude, Florida is such, such a state of mind. Like anytime I've been there, anytime you go out, like it's just on a different level. It really is. Like well, I'm. My thing is, I like a good dinner now. Mm-hmm. I like a couple drinks at dinner. I mean, I love, I, I, I can't wait until I can like safely. I, I love concerts. I yes, love- me too. I'm not so much into clubbing anymore. But I do like, I, I do miss like live music. I miss like yeah. concert feel. I mean, I went to a Modest Mouse concert when I was seven months pregnant with my youngest child. Like I just, I, I nothing will stop me from going to a concert. You gotta go. I mean, it's the best. Love I mean, live music is the best. I miss it so much. Yeah. No, I feel like even when I've gone to dinner in Florida, I've been blasted. It's fun. Listen, I think a good, there's nothing better than like a good dinner some good drinks. It is always a fun scene, mm-hmm. but you're not going to catch me. And like the thought, like, I don't even know how I can wrap my head around because in Miami, like you don't go out until 12 o'clock. Right. Right. No, that's insane. Like you could walk into a club at 12 o'clock and it's no one's in there yet. It's like a vampire city. Do you, what's your, like, um, what's your heart out there? Do you, do the bars close at a certain time? Oh. oh my God. I mean, there are clubs that are open 24 hours. Oh, that's, that really is fun. Okay. No wonder. I mean, and they're like dark caves and it's like after party, after party. Mm-hmm. Did you? My day. Right now. Suburban. <laughs> Did you go to Art Basel when Luann's daughter was there? No. I have gone though. And you know, we have Art Miami, which is like super, super cool. I actually think that's cooler than Art Basel. Mm-hmm. A little more hipsterish. But I just I wish I had an ounce of Lou Ann's. I love Lou. I just wish I had like an ounce of her, just you know, she's just got so much like self-confidence. I saw her cabaret show in LA and it was like iconic because like the place was so, it was just awful to like get a table or anything. And my friend and I thought we had like the worst seats in the house because they sat us like on the far left of the stage, like next to the bar, like where we could hear like glasses clanking and everything. But then we realized we we were right by her dressing room door. So we got to see her like coming in and out of all of her like outfit changes and like, just like. She's stunningly beautiful. Yeah, she, she really is. Yeah, she really is. Totally. I think that she's one of those women that is like Benjamin Button. I mean, she's prettier now than even when she started the show. I mean, she's, she, she looks really good. Yeah, she looks great. I love her. I want to see Sonia's cabaret show. It's like dueling cabaret shows. Oh my God, that's like Drake versus Wayne. I don't know if anyone, I went and saw that. Anyone remembers, guys? Like that would be iconic. I love Sonia. I've I've booked many a cameo with Sonia. Sonia, I love her too. I do. I feel like I could fix her. 
Yeah. Underdog. Yeah. I, I hate that they always shame her for being herself. Let her be her. Mm-hmm. Not put up Sonia Rita's flame. Mm-mm. She's a straw that stirs the drink. Okay. Have an 11 part TikTok series on Sonia. We will link to that. Will you send me the, the link? I'll send you the one. first one and you can just take a trip down memory lane. I mean, like I was on web archive. I swear that her ex-husband must have like scrubbed the internet. I, I think so too. And I love, I think that was like, yes, I was all over that series. You'll probably go retroactively find my hearts if you, you know, I don't but think. But I'm telling you, that. like, she is just, she is just one of those unique souls that you're like, she's a special person. And I know she might have a drinking problem. And I know that she might live on another planet. But she's Sonia. It doesn't negate her existence. No, like you don't wind up in Sonia's position without being fabulous. Like there's no boring person who's in Sonia's position in life. I know. And I just adore her. So we see the guys in the kitchen at the bakery and Jack's like complimenting Amy on her marketing skills. It's finally like occurring to them that she might be good at flyers. Yeah, exactly. So he's like, I think I made something really close to Santa Sparks. Oh, LOL. He mistook the uh, salt and sugar. You know, it's all. Yeah, (laughs) it is coming. So yeah, Amy and Jeanette are passing out flyers in town about the cookie contest. So far, not many people have submitted. An older woman comes up to them and she's like, oh, I heard you and your boyfriend on the radio. And Amy explains that it's not like that. But the older woman's like, you know what? It's going to he's going to come around. You guys will be together. This is like this movie is so obnoxious. So Jeanette's like, your chemistry was great back in high school. Everyone's obsessed with him. And this is when I'm like, wait a minute. Jeanette went to high school with them. Did you remember the scene where in the very beginning of the movie, Luke and her went back down to Peru because she's from Peru or something? Do you remember that part? No, I like missed that. So I also got confused here because I'm like, well, no, she's apparently from Peru because Luke and her were in Peru together recently visiting the rest of Jeanette's family. So like, did Jeanette go to high school with them or did Jeanette know them after high school? Well, it sounds like she was like an exchange student. Maybe. And she just stayed in Chestnut. Because she's like, everyone would look at you like on the dance floor. And that's such a specific, I mean, that's like psychopath shit when it's like you're inserting yourself in a situation you were never in. And so I'm kind of like, I'm Maybe hoping- she was there in high school too. Yeah, I guess. I guess. I mean- but she's I from Peru. I, yeah. And, and I guess maybe, I don't know. It feels like very Mila Kunis- where it's like, we're all like, oh, Mila Kunis speaks like perfect English. But like, no, that that Russian accent is 100% there. And that's what we love about her. Right. That little sharp, like Russian accent moment. So Luke asks him what's going on with him and Amy. This is Jack and him are back in the store. And Jack reminds him that Amy left him and made other plans. Nothing matters here other than doing the right thing for Linda. And then Luke tries the tough love ap- approach. Like basically, you know, you guys need to get together. You need to go to dinner or something. So later that night, they go to dinner. And it's like after this little like flirty moment in the kitchen where they're like tossing flour at each other. And it's, 
it's incredibly juvenile for people of this age, like amongst everything else in this movie. I don't know. They're emotionally stunted. Yes. That's a great way to put it, babe. Like they're Mm -hmm. completely emotionally stunted. Like time stopped in 1991. We haven't grown emotionally since then. So they go to O'Brien's and they have this meal and like, you know, Mr. O'Brien's happy to see them. Amy says that like this food is a change of pace for her because normally she's eating gluten-free at steakhouses or drinking a grain smoothie, Mm -hmm. which is like, for me, as someone who can no longer eat gluten as of like three months ago, fucking hell. Don't let anyone ever lie to you about that. I'm like, what do you mean a grains? Like, I mean, like a rice smoothie. What is she saying? And like, is she, I don't know. I, I think what she's saying is, is that her life in New York, she's sort of like whatever her coworkers are ordering in from is what she has to, you know, order to. Because she's saying I'm doing diet it. culture. I'm in diet culture, but the ex- the examples don't hold up. I guess I feel so. Well, I think I think what it's trying to say is that. She lives in this city with all of these people, but she doesn't actually like sit down at a dinner with a person and actually engage with people. It's like, I think it's her, the writer's weird way of kind of being like, she's in this city with tons of people, but she's alone. You're right. (laughs) And then like Jack like drops this. He's like, yeah, well, food wasn't great in the military either. Because he can't, you know, he can't ever just let her. I mean, it's like, I know, babe, like he was eating those hot little meals. I mean, we see, we see our armed service members try them all the time on TikTok and it's not great, but it's like, it's, you know, way to take, it's a, he's being a Luann. He's being a one-upper. A one-upper for sure. But I thought like, okay, this is such a great opportunity for him to sort of be like, that sounds like such a lonely, you know, situation that you're in to be surrounded by all these people, but to like not really have a connection with anyone. Yes, like, oh, but wait. But an emotionally mature person would respond to someone who says that to them. Let me acknowledge the sacrifices yes. that you've made. Like, obviously, I gave my life for the country, but you gave your life for what? This marketing job? Like, let me know more about that. And then you could be like, oh, and by the way, it's not like the food I ate for the last 14 years was that much better. You know, like I I just needed, I needed a little more like give and take. It needed finessing for sure. And I think it's because oftentimes the writers aren't on set for these movies, like the the script and it goes off and it's not something that they could like toy with at all. But I always feel like it does such a disservice, especially when you bring in an actor like this who has a strong character that he plays. And I feel like they could have like punched up the script to like his type of character. Like it's like mm-hmm. when you have a great actor that's like known for something like, like on two broke girls, it was Eric Andre. Right. So mm-hmm. like he wrote to like his skills, right? Like why not finesse and like go back and flourish up some things here? I don't know. I think it's to the, I think a lot of times, you know, these movies are produced, like you said, they're written quickly, they're filmed quickly. It's a very quick turnaround time. And you're not hiring 
these world-renowned actors that are known for their like improvisational skills and their ability to, you know, make a character more. I know it just suffers so much. It just suffers so much. It's like like the minimum wage of TV movie. It literally is. Yeah. It's like they are just punching in the card. No. Yeah, it literally is. And it just bums me out because I do know that these writers do care about the movies, but like at this point it's out of their hands. But that, that scene was, I feel like that scene was an attempt to show her loneliness. Yeah. Yeah. That was what I took away from it. And the one thing they had in common was that yes. Linda would send in these cookies and it would be for her. She'd be Aww. like, oh, finally some real food. And he would be popular in his unit. So yeah, that was cute. Yeah, it was cute. O'Brien gives them a Sunday and they get to the car. He opens the door for her and they sit in there and they have a like kind of an awkward moment. And then the mm-hmm. conversation starts 58, 37 to one hour and 21 seconds. Never happened to us. I knew this was coming sooner or later. Do we really have to do this tonight? I mean, we're having such a lovely evening. Well, if not now, when? You're gonna run off to New York the first chance you get. I'm not running anywhere. I mean, going home is not running. Is that where you call home? When people ask you where you're from, what do you tell them? New York? Yep, because that's where I live. It's not where you're from. Do you remember what my Aunt Linda used to say? Bloom where you're planted, right? Yeah. Originally, you were planted right here with me. Okay, but I put roots down in New York, and I asked you to come with me. And you said, no, you didn't want to leave Chestnut. You moved away, too. Well, I had your reason, and I had mine. Okay. So what were your reasons? This place, no matter where I walked, the smell of the air, every face reminded me of you. I mean, this guy's voice is unbelievable. You know, I I think that he he really he really was not cast correctly for this role. But with that said, I thought of all the scenes so far between the two of them that this was the most interesting. He'd be good if like they were in a band together that broke up like a Christmas band, you know, and he was like the Craig from Degrassi, like like a mullet. Yes, exactly. Because he has the voice of someone. He takes himself very seriously with that voice. There's no like music in the voice. There's nothing. He's very flat and just very. It sounds like he's about to be like in a world like he's going to give a movie trailer. But though I thought of all their scenes together, that this one was, it gave you a lot of information about what happened between the two of them. It was the only information. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, 
but it was, we got some answers. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, I yeah. Mean, we, we know what the answers were because we're all well-versed in our lifetime movie plots, but we, it was confirmed. So uh, in the morning, Amy's working on the ribbons. She's working on the first place ribbon and she's wearing Jack's shirt and Jack comes in shirtless wearing his jeans. It's like, okay, we get it. And for all the slow people at home, they fucked last night. Yeah. And he pours himself some coffee and he's having matching pajamas. Did you see that? It was like a matching pajama set. Oh, maybe, maybe I'm thinking jeans was she was wearing the top and he was wearing the bottoms. He had on like olive green pajama pants and she okay. had the top on that went with them. In my, like, in my poor vision, I was like, okay, jeans. Like, I just like. That's what I thought. I'm like, oh, that's cute. He has a coordinating pajama set because I've been married for forever and with my husband for forever. And like, he literally sleeps in like boxer briefs and a cheesy t-shirt like I've never seen a man in like a pajama set Aunt Linda left it for him and like yeah I think she did with like a little Christmas bow around it with a candy cane on it but yeah like in the guest room in the morning like they're like okay whatever we don't need to talk about it in New York Bradley rushes into Don's office and Don is starting to think that he was a little too hasty in promoting Amy after all of this right because that's the problem Exactly. 100%. So then he's like, okay, I have really bad news for you. I have to show you something. And he thinks like one of his ex-wives is getting married. It's like a whole, I guess, I don't know, cute for this guy comedy moment. And then um, we find out what it is. It's all we see right now is a picture of, we, we see something's going on with Gordon, but we'll explain everything in this clip. Okay. 102.42 to 106.49. This is the voice of Chestnut Earl Pratt Jr. reminding you that the countdown is on, people. We've got less than one week to go until the 50th annual Christmas cookie contest. Now, some of you have tried to get ahead and bring some cookies by the radio studio to bribe me, and I want to say I am not above being bribed with cookies. (laughs) Let me get this straight. You're offering us $400,000 for the bakery and the house as a package deal? Not a bad Christmas bonus, huh? I'll take the liberty of having the contracts drawn up. Well, shouldn't we have the property appraised first? Uh, yes. Property has been appraised by a neutral third party, and you'll see that it appraises for far less than what I'm offering you. Look, I know you two aren't going to be sticking around here. You've got your life in New York. You've got your life in Florida. Think of this as me helping you guys out. What about the bakery? The bakery? That's a historic landmark. I mean, you can't put a price tag on that. And I'd like to see to it that it's taken care of in a proper manner. I understand. I just don't know if this is something that my aunt would have wanted, you know? Consider it a peace offering for all the crap I put you through when we were kids. (laughs) Well, I guess that puts us right back where we started with uh, liquidating the assets. Mm Mm-hmm. Unless, of course, there's some outside chance that uh, you might be thinking of staying. I can't. I have to get back to my job. No, know? of course. You know, and you're in Florida. Yeah. You have to figure that out. doesn't seem to make sense to, you know. No. All right. Well, let's do it. Okay. Where do we sign? Right by the little red flags. 
or orange in this case. Thank you. That's nice and handy. Mr. Carruthers, Mr. Brewer's on line one. Okay, thanks, Jillian. I'll be right out. Oh, excuse me for one second. Oh, no problem. Take your time. It shouldn't be too long. I've been waiting on a phone call. I... And there you go. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Your worries are over. Amy. Secured it in my name. Now I, I got the signed documents right here in my hand. Well, I'll transfer the title over to Espresso's arrest January 1. Espresso's arrest? What? Yeah, I knew it. What, you don't think that he's trying to. Yes, I heard him. Well, maybe you misheard him. I did not mishear him. Espressos are us. You caught me. There's no crime in flipping property, right? Especially when said property does belong to me. Oh, that I found this morning. I was just about to give it back to you. And... You're unbelievable. You know, you haven't changed a bit. Are you going to punch me in the face? Is that what they teach you in the military? No, no. I'm going to do something much, much worse. Merry Christmas. Oh, guys. You are so fired. Got it? That was a very um, big scene. It was a big scene. Yeah. I mean, so what do you think? Obviously, this little dipshit is going to sell the coffee store to Espresso and Go. What is it called? Espresso R Us. Espresso R Us. So it must and be like the Starbucks. Exactly. And this Main Street location, you know, he's going to get a ton of money for that. So basically, I mean, this is like the ultimate scam of the century. I was right. impressed that like they managed to. I don't know, make this movie without getting back that contract being a bigger thing. Like it was just such a small motion on camera. Like I wasn't surprised because that's been the MO of all the big things in this entire movie. I know there's just never, here's the thing. Okay. I'm used to the ones where it's like bad teenagers who are, like their whole lives are ruined by like the end of the second act. And here we are with like one of the biggest, mo it's unbelievable to me that these Christmas movies are produced by Lifetime is all I'm saying. It's like, there's just so little action and that's what they're known for. And, you know, I also think that at least for me personally, that real life, I mean, especially like, Pre, even last year, like during the election and the, all that other stuff, you, you know, believe wanted things to be like leave it to Beaver, like 
Stepford wifeish, like very just like simple and nostalgic. And like I found myself like gravitating towards these like really, really easy to digest, feel good storylines. Absolutely. Because like the world is just so screwed right now on every level. So like you're like, okay, this whole the whole plot of this is a cookie store. Yeah. We're not curing cancer, it's a cookie store. You're right. You're right. I mean, yeah. listen, here's the thing. It just takes a long time to get to this. And I I said one of my arguments for this earlier on, and I realized it's like, doesn't do the same thing for ad space or anything else. But I right. feel like if they made these Christmas movies like 60 minutes, as opposed to 80 minutes, that's like something yes. I could totally buy in on. And they did these like Christmas mini movies one year and they were each eight minutes long. Oh, I like that. So embarrassed to say that I cried at two of them because like <laughs> it was so much, it, they like, you know, you had to get right. so much like character into them and in right. order for them, you know, for an eight minute movie for a short to work. And it feels like these are all short movies that are dragged on for way too long without like any great comedic spikes. Like always the comedy is very, it's the, it's just the same thing every movie. And, and yeah. I think about this too. Look at all of these fabulous, like limited series that yeah. we all come to like know and love. Because I think one of the saddest things is when you get really into a TV series and then it just like goes off the rails. Like, yeah. it, it, you know, it just, it's not it, like you can't keep it going for forever. Did you watch by Lotus? Of course. Okay. Who did you I think? I can't was- wait for the second. I can't wait for season two. I know. I'm nervous though. Cause I'm like, I loved the first season so much. And you cast. I think yeah. it's entirely new cast. I kind of like it. It's like little capsule. Moment. Who did you think was like the biggest villain? On season one, the 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 uh, I hated the husband, the newly Shane. Oh my gosh! Like, what was his name? Shane. 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 Like, anytime he came on, I just wanted to like punch. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't think he was like that. I honestly, it was like, I didn't think he was that bad. I kind of thought it was either like up to Coolidge or who was the girl, the girl that was with the family. Uh, not Satan. Sadie isn't her name, but it was something. I'm so bad at like remembering the names, but I loved, I loved that family. I know. I liked them too. I loved everything about that family. I know. I loved like, it just, because they touched on so many, that family just like really touched on so many things that I think like the generational differences and one of my least favorite things is this like women not supporting women. Like, yeah. Always support women. Yeah. You don't have to, like, you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Right On now. supporting women. Yeah. <laughs> like I had a whole tirade. I mean, I really have a problem with like Mia McSweeney and Roni. And she did this whole piece writing about like toxic femininity. Yeah. And she's like one of those that like her experience is 
the only experience. And it's like, you're so woke and so, you know, of the moment, you know, you're Miss Cool Girl, but only your version of femininity is not toxic. No, I know. I agree. I also, I had a hard time when I saw Leah on the show too. There was a few things about her. I was like, one, I was like, why is your daughter? This is a classic. Like why don't put your kid on TV? Like it would have been so easy for her to not put her daughter on TV. And she did anyway. And it just like, Mm -hmm. it bummed. Yeah. It bummed me out. And like, she definitely has that sort of cool girl thing while also having a lot of blind spots. But like anytime she does something inappropriate, or not right, it's she'll blame alcohol or she'll blame mental health issues. It's never like I own this. You well, know? yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and I, I really lost it when she started her like conversion to Judaism and that became like this central topic. And like, I feel like she's one of those like white women that really has like stolen from black culture yeah of course her clothing line um she doesn't see it that way but I do I mean it's hard not to so I'm like what is she gonna do the same thing with the Jewish people is this like a new thing for her I was very pinged by like Heather Thompson though like I would say because like with her whole like holla like yeah hey mama it just felt very like corny and co-opted in a way and like again I haven't watched in like two years even my favorite New York which was always like the my hot mess express and I blame Leah McSweeney well, listen, the last time I watched Dorinda was still in good graces. And I love Dorinda. There's another one. See, watch. that's the one. I love Dorinda. And then like I caught the tail end of the season, like the third part of the last reunion she was on. And was I texted place. I texted my friend and I said, like, okay, I think I understand why everyone's saying Dorinda has to go, but like she's never grieved Richard. No, because she started going out with John so quickly. Yeah, and she's, like, clearly someone. I see her, yes, like, not just underdog, but, like, I truly see her as someone who's, like, dealing with a significant loss. Oh, a thousand percent. A thousand percent. Yeah. She, I think she needed to step away from Roni, but this past season was horrific. Horrible, 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 horrible. I haven't heard good things. And like, I, I, I don't know like what's going on, but I do feel like Real Housewives, like as a franchise needs to be like reinvented, but I don't know. Like they need to go back to the original formula, which was like groups of friends. Yeah. Yeah. Necessarily need to be worth hundreds of millions of dollars. They, you know, I think people forget to realize how many people watching the show looked at the lives of the women in Coto de Casa and were like, these women are really rich. Right. No, and same with New Jersey. It's like, these are people that are paying their phone bills on time, but like, they're not 
you know what I mean? They're not like living a life that's like, I mean, maybe, I don't know. I, I think America was also a slightly in, in a different place then. And we're in a way different place now, but right. like as something like New Jersey, I never looked at as necessarily like extravagantly wealthy outside of Teresa, <laughs> who was obviously part of crime. So like, but I really think Teresa did not know. No, I don't think she knew. I love Teresa. I don't think Teresa knew. I I think Teresa really like wanted her juicy Joe, and he would tell her to sign something, and she did. Well, listen, like I will tell you, I uh, not only do I love Jersey, but like when my dog wagon stuff passed. August 13th, 2020. Okay, listen, when he passed away, Tracy Egan Morrissey, shout out girl, she commissioned a cameo from Juicy Joe to me. And I'm telling you, like, there was like two things that bought me, like brought me like significant comfort during that time. I feel like I'm almost an expert on grief gifts Uh because I just like, I'm not someone who like, can even really like take in grief. I normally just like pack it down somewhere. I don't know. Mm-hmm. There was my friend Jenna sent me a box of cheese, which I was like, this is such an evergreen, great gift. Like I don't have to worry about cheese purchases for a long time. For a while. But and then get so many interesting ones too. This cameo from Joe, he's coming to me shirtless on the top of an Italian villa. There you go. Like, Molly, honey, I'm so sorry to hear about your dog. Uh, it's just, there's nothing worse than losing a dog. It's one of those things. He, listen, Juicy Joe, he was, he, he was, he was not doing anything that the men before him had not done too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he was a street guy. He was a good, fe- a good fella type. Yeah. And we all knew that. And, and it was, it was, I mean, I felt horrible for Teresa that she went to prison for a year and, you know, lost her mom and then the dad. Horrific. And the husband gets deported. And I have my sneaky suspicions about this Louie guy that she's engaged to, but I hope, I mean, I really feel like she's learned so much. Yeah. How she was before she was with Joe. Yeah. To now, I hope she's still close. Happy, with Dina. I'm happy. I hope she's still close with Dina because I always felt like Dina she was is. a good, a good person. Yeah, Dina's good. And and if you watch the Ultimate Girls Trip, it was really really interesting to see Teresa outside of the New Jersey Housewives. I'm sure such a different side of her. I love Trey. She basically was like, you know, no one really stands up for me ever on my show. Oh, she feels like she's always got to defend herself. Oh, that for herself and take care of herself. And that came out so much during this ultimate girls trip. It was fabulous. You really saw a different side of the OG housewives. Maybe I'll just like scoop in and watch that. And maybe that will reignite my passion. It It had Luann. It had Ramona. You had Kyle, who was enjoying. He's very entertaining. Melissa, Teresa, Kenya, and Cynthia. And it was great. Interesting. Melissa was there. Because I always feel like Melissa is an inhibitor. But like Teresa has shown despite. I feel like 
I feel like I get a lot of similar vibes from Melissa and Teresa's relationship as like most people that are like a brother sister combo. I was going to say it feels like Courtney and Chloe or something where yeah. it's like it's it's different. I feel like um two, like two sisters if they're close. Like if my sister had a husband, like my husband would have to get along with her husband. They'd have to be friends. Yeah. Close with my sister. But like I think brothers and sisters typically like they grow up and they're not as close. It's not the same. Yeah, your dad's side of the family. That was like a TikTok thing, which is like, I hope my brothers never have kids because like, I never want to be on the dad's side of the family. Yeah. Well, and and here's the thing though. Here's the thing though. It was, I'm happy that they're in like a place where they're like supportive and civil. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I I think Teresa was too hurt by Melissa over the years. That makes sense. I And I agree with you. I agree. So it's four days left till Christmas. They found out the missing uh, ingredient extract, which is like, how did you ignore the entire mint flavor? It's unbelievable. And they actually addressed that pepper, how the peppermint like popped in your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Talked about it. Too. And you're like, does the does sugar turn into peppermint? Like, how do they not know? With these flops and ADD Jeanette, like who would have ever gotten to that answer? So Don yeah. Don calls Amy and he's like, you know, she starts to talk. He's like, zip it, we're in crisis mode. Apparently, a photo of a Gordon Royce has gone viral. He's holding a shopping bag from Luffs. Keller's canceled the campaign. They have 24 hours to redo the whole thing. If they lose this client, you know, they're all fucked. So Jack, like, you know. And she loses her promotion. Yeah, she's going to lose everything. Like, they're, everyone's losing everything. So Jack can't believe, you know, that she's ready to go after just one phone call. But, you know. He's like, you're just, you're, you're still you. I thought us having sex together. Right, like that's going to change everything. Yeah. I mean, Amy's like, I did my work. The bakery's back running. You have the recipes, like do, do the job, which is like actually very fair. Now that I'm like revisiting this movie for the fifth time today, I'm like, okay, wait, actually, you know what? That's fair, Amy. It's fair. It makes a lot of sense. They have this like little moment. It's a little spat. And we see Jack get back to the house. He runs like after Amy. He tries to see if he can catch her before she goes to the airport. But her plane has already taken off. And Jeanette is not getting a hold of her. She just got her voicemail. So Jeanette and Luke are at the diner with Earl at O'Brien's. And then Jack comes in. And he says he left voicemails. She's gone. The contest is still on, though. They need to honor Linda. Doesn't matter that he, you know, blew it with Amy. They have to still go through with this. He just wishes, he wishes things had ended differently. And it's like, well, Jack, like, I don't know. Like, where's your, like, go to New York. Call her and say, I'm going to meet you in New York. Right, like, where's his, like, gumption? Yeah. They all cheers to three days left. They're going to do this for Linda. Amy is working at her job in New York. And we hear Earl on the morning radio reminding everyone that the cookie contest is coming up. It's going to be crazy. Another like little montage of Amy going over proofs. 
Bradley catches up to her. Don wants an update. Like it's only one day to the contest. We see a kid in town prepping like with the cookies or whatever. Like it's a whole little, it's a whole moment where they could have actually told us something about Amy's character. Right. We see Amy digging through her purse at work. Her, her performance was great. Yeah. But no, she has this like purse that it it's like, it's, it's, I was very. It's an accordion. What's that? Yeah. It's like an accordion briefcase type thing. I loved this bag. I yeah, actually, it's like, a, it's a file folder and briefcase. Okay. Okay. It's really like a woman who power lunches bag. Type of bag. Okay. She, she means business. And that makes sense now because this ribbon is in perfect tact when she pulls it out. Because it's it's an accordion. So it's... Um, You're so smart, babe. I would have never put that together. It's an accordion. It's an accordion. Okay. She's so, got places to go. And even though it's 2015, they apparently do not have... I saw her pull out a laptop, but they don't have Wi-Fi. And they don't have like smart. If a bag has more than like three pockets, I'm never finding anything. Like I'm the same way. It's it's this accordion thing is too much. The idea that you could lose a ribbon like that in an accordion a purse. Beautiful ribbon. I mean, she could, <laughs> she could start an Etsy store. I mean, the ribbons are stunning. You're killing me. Yes, yes, they're unbelievable. She, a good ribbon. she does make a good ribbon. So she decides she's gonna go back and she gets a call from Dawn. Where's, you know, where is she? The party's going to start in five. And she's like, no, I need to go back. I'm going to make it easy for you. I'm going to quit. And so we cut to Bradley in the office saying to Don, wow, she really blew it. And he goes, that's why you're still an assistant. Oof. It's like actually like so cruel. Like it feels like so big time. It feels so Hollywood to me. Like that's the kind of thing like that you hear after you've been like slaving away on sets for years is someone being like, yeah, that's why you're never going to make it, bud. He's like, you know, you're an assistant because everyone who works here is supposed to have that kind of passion and you just don't. It would, it would kill me. And he goes, yes, sir. And then he says, add a girl. Which is I miss that part. I miss that part. He literally because it's in like I mean I made sure I heard it right because it's in the captions at a girl and I was like, are you calling him gay? <laughs> Very possible. He's like, hey, he's like, listen up, gay lord. Like the reason why you're listen, I, I feel like Bradley was like suffered from like. Stockholm syndrome, PTSD, like something was going on with him. Bradley definitely has that thing that, I mean, it is, it does, it does feel repressed when you think about it too long. Cause you're like, what is Bradley sacrificing in order to show up and be Don's bitch like this every day? <laughs> I mean, really and truly. But okay, Lifetime, like I love a Lifetime won't give this woman a character, but they'll be right. like, we'll call Bradley gay. Okay. Right. So they put out a photo of Linda at the cookie contest. Everyone's at O'Brien's. Let's play this scene 11707 to 11806. Here you go, James. Hey, thanks for making it out today. Yeah, they told her my jelly presses better win this year. We do. Wouldn't be the holidays without your jelly presses. Thank you, good luck. James is pushing his jelly presses again. Oh, babe, you and your jelly presses. Hey. Hey, Jack. Let's go. Let's go. Where's Amy? 
Oh, you didn't hear. She has uh, another obligation in New York, so she's not going to be able to make it. Oh, sorry to hear that. Yeah. 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 Well, I guess we'll just have to make Linda proud without her. We will. Okay. I'm going to check on the road. We might as well get this show on the road, huh? You tell Junior to get it yeah. in here. <laughs> Your silver snowflakes should not have salt. Your silver snowflakes should not have salt. I'm actually allergic to coconut. Earl? I'm actually not allergic to coconut, but food allergies had drama. Ready now? Uh, yes. Pipes are ready. The golden voice is ready to lay its golden egg. <laughs> I mean, just bizarre behavior in lieu of writing. Yeah. A little bit. I do think that these characters, though, let me look up who Earl Jr. is. Like, I feel like they're doing their best to have their comedy moments in a movie that refuses comedy. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you're saying. I do. Jib. Jib Gerard. Or Gib. Earl Jr. Who is he? Gib Gerard, Gib Gerard, Gib Gerard. Okay, he's older than me, which is like surprising. He looks youthful. I mean, he does he does Lifetime movies. This is literally like oh, that's his shit. This is his jam. I mean, good for him. He pulled it out. He pulled it out of his ass right there. So Jack introduces everyone. You know, the, the his new coworker Amy can't be there that night, but he wants to thank Jeanette and Luke on their behalf, as well as Mr. O'Brien for doing this once again. Linda Sullivan is no longer with them, so they decide to dedicate the night to her and her inspirational life. And he he introduces the voice of Chestnut, and Earl begins. His dad hosted this event, blah, 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 blah. He's going to be judging this event based off of his DAT method, design, aroma, and taste. This is like the biggest comedy moment they get in the movie with like him. I don't know. He is the comedic relief. And I think that even that Dylan is supposed to be like comedic relief. Yeah, it just makes me want to call the cops. Yeah. <laughs> Not really, but I'm Carl like. Carl is like a close talker too. I don't know if you noticed that. He's like a very close talker. Who is? Earl. Earl oh, Jr. Earl. Yeah. He gets like right up in there. And for like someone whose voice is supposed to boom, that's exactly why they can't stand him. Right. Cause he like gets in there. Right? Mm-hmm. That That's like a non-negotiable for me now. That is like the one thing that came out of quarantine COVID. If you are a close talker, like we're, we're, we're done. No, I like to keep, yeah. I like to keep a space. I do. I like to yeah. keep a space. And like close talker, whisper talkers, like oh, I, it makes my, I have like hair stand up on the. What's so <laughs> funny though, I loved this Real Housewives moment when Kai, cause I'm one, my best friend does this like chronically and it, it oh. kills me because I'm so like, first of all, I have bad hearing. And oh. second of all, like, I'm just like so bad, but like the Kathy Hilton, like, you know, like and Kyle, I'm telling you about the the whole impression uh-huh. that Kyle did. Like that is literally my biggest pet peeve. Is like I'm like not good enough at context clues. I right. have no idea what you're talking about. And also like the whispering that goes on. I'm just like, what's happening? Like, like, like. There's no way that if I don't know what you're saying, there's no way anyone around us knows what you're saying. Well, it's so funny because. I feel like one of my best skills is I'm a very good active listener. 
but I'm also very good at pretending like I'm listening and like I'm not thinking like, like I could be thinking about five million other things because you just that is a great skill people go off on tangents and stuff and I think that like if I were a real housewife that would be like my superhero power no that's a huge skill like I can just zone out yeah, if I do that, my I look completely disinterested. I can't. No, I because I I am I I think it's just like like you have like these different protective mechanisms. Like that's mine. Like yeah, I just it and it helps. I'm also hard of hearing, so I'm just like, oh, I didn't hear. I'm proud of you. That's incredible. Yeah, and it's a, it's so freeing. You know, that's why like I love Kathy. It's, <laughs> it's herself. And, and yes. of all of them, but could care less wearing, you know, the craziest things does not care. I mean, it's endearing. That is endearing. Yes. No, that's like a totally, yeah. Different part of her. And she's like my girl because she just drinks regular Coke. Regular Coke is the way to go. Oh my God. The diet but, Coke is like, what fuck? So gross. I know. But anytime I see someone just say, I like, a Coca-Cola. Like that is my person. We're, we're good. I do love a Diet Coke, but I know that the truth is, is like when you fuck with a real Coca-Cola, like you're getting the job done that you're asking. Well, but that's why I buy like the little mini cans. Those are great. That Those don't even it gets, It just, it wets my palate. I get my fill. Okay. So he tastes a bunch of the cookies and Jack comes up to him is like, what do you think? There's, he does do a a food coma, basically. He does do a joke that's like almost unbelievable for a man of his age. He takes a bite of a cookie and he says, is that ginger? I've always considered myself more of a Marianne guy. Yeah. (laughs) Which like, uh, who was the man who wrote this? Like 70 years old. So like, who the fuck is talking about Gilligan's I watched Gilligan's Island on Nick, uh, what was it? Nick, what was, um, Nickelode, like, uh, Nick at night. Right. And now I'm not going to pretend I don't understand the reference. I understand it, but like, it's just cable and chestnut. You're right. You're right. This is, this is, it's, it's like a little village lost in time. Mm -hmm. It is. It is. I, I agree with you. We're 100% on the same page about that. Okay, wait. So let's it's time warp. Let's play the big winner of the cookie contest. No, I think I do. Good. Now, have I missed any entries? Good, because I am stuffed like a Christmas turkey. <laughs> now, after very careful and highly subjective deliberation, I have settled on a winner for the 50th annual Christmas cookie contest. May I have the grand prize ribbon, please? I thought you had it. No, I thought you did. I um, don't have it. No, I don't. I've got it. Amy? Sorry, I knew I forgot something. She flew all the way back from New York to deliver a ribbon? All right, Earl, let's do this. Okay, everybody, fasten your seatbelts. The winner of the 50th annual Christmas cookie contest is... Uh, Luke, can I get a drum roll, please? Frank O'Brien and his unbeatable melted snowman. Thank you. Thank you. And you know what?
know what this means. What? You get your recipe in Linda's tin. Yes. And it's about time too, huh? Oh, thank you so much. Thank you, Linda. Thank you, Santa. Thank you, Chestnut. Not to be like a pessimist, but do you think he killed Linda? So he could- <laughs> no, he killed Earl. So he could he could have a spot in no, he the Christmas Earl. cookie might have Earl because Earl judged the contest and never let him win. (laughs) For people at home, you're never going to be benefited with this if I don't tell you. There's literally like a 25 year old, like, like, I would say like Southeast Asian man, like wiping his brow, like in, like in nerves and fear before this cookie contest is announced. And I want to be like, babe, go to the nearest city. Like, you don't need to do this. Like you are like, so cute. You could like go like, like meet some amazing girl. Like, why are you here at this cookie contest? I'm going to be honest with you. I was actually, I I didn't cry, but I did. I I mean, even though I knew Frank O'Brien was going to win, I mean, (laughs) he was going to win this year for his melted snowmen, but I I was happy for him because I'm like, if this is the 50th year of the cookie contest, like he doesn't have many years left. No, I agree. I agree. Like, listen, I was very happy that he finally won. And, and, Truly, like he donated his bar all those years. Every year, like during Christmas week, he could have made so much money just from the horny singles, like dying to come in and and reunite with people. College kids who came home to see their parents. Exactly. And he, no, a selfless man, honestly, Frank O'Brien. I was happy he won. I mean, I knew it was coming, but I was, I was happy when they made it official. I I hate to keep saying I do think he might be like an undercover serial killer, but I'm just putting I mean, it. Out. I don't think he killed Linda. I think he had a torrent love affair with Aunt Linda. Yeah, I think he could have offed Earl, the original voice. Of do Chester. you think that Linda and Earl? Do you think Linda was two timing Frank with Earl? I think that if we wanted to get really wild and crazy um, in the prequel, (laughs) that that could be a love triangle that is totally plausible. I'm all about it. Okay, so there has to be some freaky, kinky stuff that goes on in Chestnut because it's such a boring place otherwise. Absolutely. No, I know. I know. There, this is. Like they have to have like sex dungeons there or something. I mean, I I don't know. Nexium started in Chestnut. Yes, yes. But yeah, so you know, Amy came back. Blah, blah blah. It's great. They have this like cute little moment, and Amy and Jack are thanking everyone for showing up. And Frank brings over his recipe to put in mm-hmm. Linda's tin. And they spot something in there that they hadn't seen before. It's a folded piece of paper. I, this is maybe and someone also- put it in there. We don't know who put it in. Uh, yeah, it's. It showed the scene that like you just saw the hand putting it into the tin that night. Honey, I missed that. Yeah. No, there was like a chubby little man hand that put this extra note into the tin. Was it Santa, do you think? It might have been, but I think it probably was Frank. 
He really is a serial killer then. Like I'm doubling down. Frank's house and Aunt Linda's house, they have a tunnel. <laughs> if, if, if Jake would have just moved, a, Jack would have just moved a few more boxes, he would have found the entrance to the tunnel. So here's the note right here, 12410 to 12612. Oh, that's Aunt Linda's handwriting. Oh, wow. Dear Amy and Jack, if you found this, it means you've decided to take me up on my request to reopen the bakery and hold the contest again. You might have wondered why I chose you two for this assignment, and with any luck, you've already figured it out. You two always had a special place in my heart, but most importantly, you had a special place in each other's. I don't want to sell my bakery to some big corporate entity. I started it as a place for the families of Chestnut to come and enjoy themselves. I want you to continue the tradition and maybe one day you'll have a family of your own. Until then, this bakery and all of the joy it brings is my Christmas gift to you both. Merry Christmas with all my love, Aunt Linda. It's too bad you missed the contest. There's always next year. Next year? What do you mean by that? Well, we can't let tradition fade away, right? We have a responsibility to the town and to Aunt Linda. Are you suggesting what I think you're suggesting? Yep. I'm moving back. I'm gonna live in Aunt Linda's house and run the bakery year-round. Do you want to be my head baker? I do. Accountant? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I can do promotions. Yes, you can, Earl. <laughs> now, wait a minute. I am your partner. And uh, I was not consulted in the making of this decision. Silent. Oh, yes. Well, after all that we've been through, you're going to play hard to get with me now. Shush. Merry Christmas, Jack. Merry Christmas, Amy. Oh, my God. They made it. They're together. It's, yeah, they survived. They survived it. They did it. I actually think that maybe Dylan's dad placed the note. Because he's retired, but not dead. Yes, he retired. Earl is the one that died. Yeah, because like, I just when I was hearing, I didn't want to leave my company to like go to some big, like I didn't want to leave my bakery to go to some big company or whatever. Right. Right. I had several thoughts. Maybe O'Brien owns the building. Maybe that's a little plot twist for the, for the sequel. You know, I've got to say, all's well that ends well with this merry band of chestnutians. Yeah, I would never challenge this ending. I'm really happy for all of them. Like, I'm so enthused that you were, like, willing to come on and willing to oh. do this. I'm, like, so obsessed with you. Oh, thank you. I really enjoyed myself. Yes, and, like, I yes, of course, like, this did turn into an XL episode. I always hate it because I always say, like, oh, we're going to be really quick. This movie was, like, nothing, but, like, you're so fun to talk to. So, Well, thank listen, you know, sometimes the simplest of movies can bring out the most interesting topics especially if your brains, like our brains, we, we're killing it. We, we see, we, we see alternate realities of these 
weird little films, but it was a cute movie. Yes, it was really cute. Yeah. You're so cute. This was so much Aww. fun, you guys. Please follow Queen Board over on TikTok. If you're not on TikTok, well, what's wrong with you? I mean, yes, you are giving the Chinese government all of your information, but who cares, right? I mean, I don't have anything to hide. Do you have anything to hide? Just Think about that. Ancestry. Mm-hmm. I'm 23 and me. Yeah, who cares? So yeah, no, Queen Board's the best. I know all of you guys are Bravo heads. So go on over to her page if you want. Is there anywhere else to find you? Are you like pretty much sanctioned there? Um, I have a YouTube, but I haven't done anything with it for a couple of weeks. But we do deep dives. We deep dive into all kinds of people. Oh my God. Like not just Bravo people. We've done, you know, quite a few people. Like one of my obsessions is Big Kathy, the Hilton's mom. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And that's sort of what started the deep dives. But yeah, I'm a very avid reader and I love real stories. So the deep dives are kind of that, but they take time. You know, it's like hard to, hard to do. So I haven't had that much time recently, but I'm on YouTube, Queen Board. Okay, I just I'm following you right now. Um, but that's it. I my my Instagram is really just in case I get kicked off of TikTok. You're not gonna get t- kicked off. You make like right. you know, we have a lot of hero worshipers and they don't like me because I'm a fan of the underdog. You're an underdogger, I get it. I no. mean, listen, we we have to exist. It's, it's Instagram is a hard beast though. I'm not good with like the hashtags and the tagging people and, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot more work. Instagram has to be the most inconvenient app. I like hate for some reason, it's like the messenger aspect of it. I can't even get past that. I don't even like typing on that. I feel like it's like. It's challenging. Yeah. I haven't been on Facebook for seven years. I mean, I have, I got, you know, off of that a long time ago. Same thing. Well, I mean, on Twitter, but my Twitter is more like to be a, you know, like a fly on the wall. I feel you. Well, I'm going to listen. I'm following you on YouTube now. Obviously, I'm a big fan on TikTok. You guys, you can find Queen Board in our uh, description, of course, but of everything you listed. And please send me that. Kathy Hilton. Was it? No. Who did you do? A Sonia. Talk? Yeah, you Sonia. Got, Sonia. I put so much work into Sonia. Okay, send me your song. I love it. Y'all go to sleep listening to it tonight. Okay, you guys, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Molly. I had so much fun. I adore you. And anytime you need anything, let me know. All right, I'll talk to you soon. Bye. What does feminism mean to you? During Women's History Month, come explore feminism and how it's playing out in real life with season two of Thread the Needle, a monthly podcast. I'm your host, Donna Schill. I use my background in journalism and draw on women's life experiences to add to the conversation on topics that matter to fellow feminists like you. Now in its second season, listen to new episodes each month as we explore finding yourself through divorce, battling call-out culture, questioning our ideas about masculinity, and discovering why girls' confidence plummets in their preteens. Guests include Stephanie Kuntz, historian and author of Marriage, a History, 
April White, author of Divorce Colony, and Loretta Ross, professor on white supremacy and call-out culture at Smith College. Listen to Thread the Needle on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.